After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. I guess I grew up on an older road. Hey, everybody! It's episode 131. Phil is mouthing the number of the episode because I always forget. But here we are. It's a wonderful. Monday. You'll be listening to this on Tuesday, but it's Monday. It's the day after Father's Day. Phil, how was your Father's Day, buddy? Oh, it, it, it was. It was nice. It was nice. Um, I heard Bozeman got rain. Did Bozeman get rain yesterday? Uh, a little bit. I mean, the spritz. Where okay. were you? I'm a little bit outside of town. We we didn't get any rain. Oh, neither did I. Okay. Okay. You live in the hills. Uh, nah. Nah. <laughs> What'd your kids get you? Uh, <laughs> uh, they got me like a like a backyard patio bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really that's telling, Phil. Uh, it's, it's supposed to be like like a tea, like a tiki bar. Oh, it's not made out of bamboo and have it doesn't have like thatch wood or anything, but it has kind of like you know it's like this slated wood. It's nice. They're like, Dad, it's gonna be fun. Dad, you're an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Do <exactly>. it outside. <laughs> Do it outside. <laughs> Keep this outside. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, that thought went through my head, um, but you know I appreciate it. Well, that's good. Uh, I just got a card and a cool picture frame, which I'm gonna put on my desk, uh, and then I just kind of. Drank all day. Uh, nice. Did some yard work. It was, it was very suburban of me. And I liked it. I liked it. So don't judge. Um, Phil got a nice haircut. Hey, thanks, man. Shout out to, where'd you go? Harris Salon in Bozeman, Montana. All right. Check them out. Not a sponsor. But they did a great <laughs> job on your hair. Yeah. Um, Joe's getting married. Getting married. Saturday. On Saturday. Yeah. Oh, it's happening. Ah! It's happening. Wow. He's a little dry-mouthed right now because... He had a little impromptu bachelor party this weekend. Yep. Drank a lot. I spent my Father's Day throwing up while driving. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that sounds safe. That's fine. most father's well, dream. Well, man. I was the passenger in the car. Oh, okay. And I kept having uh, my buddy Ty pull over. I was like, Ty, it's coming up again. <laughs> Gotta pull over, buddy. Uh, one of these weeks, we'll have a full recap of Joe's wedding. But Joe, are you nervous? No, I'm not nervous. You're not nervous? I'm excited. You're excited? Yeah. Yeah. Gonna, gonna have some fun. I'm not going to drink as much as I did this week. Are we going to social distance at this wedding? If you want to. It's available. It's available. It's available. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Just, just, just walk six feet just that go way. over there. <laughs> it's all outside. There's proper precautions Well, for, yeah, yeah. for those who feel like it is necessary. From uh, here at THC, congratulations on your pending nuptials. You and Calvin. 
Yeah, yeah, it's gonna a be great. Round of applause. Phil will put a sound effect in there or something. Yeah, no, he won't. That was good enough. He's he's getting late. <laughs> he's getting late. He's Thanks, getting Phil. Late, Thought you liked me. As a wedding gift, we're going to give you 5% off THC merch in the Meat Eater store. Oh, oh wow. yes. From oh, hold on. I just got an email. Um, we can only offer 3. 3%. Okay. That's, you can get, That's good enough. I'll take it. Yeah, you can wear a shirt. Uh, Probably won't. A cup. A hat. <laughs> I can wear <laughs> we it. We got a lot of shit. Yeah, we got a lot of shit. Um, all right. Well, we got to get to a lot of things. We have uh, Carter, Mark Carter. That up guy. Here. That guy. Uh, he's, he's a great guy. What a wonderful guy. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about cancel culture before we get to him. We're not going to give... It's a long interview, so we're going to try to work through some of these emails and then get to him. But trust me, I feel that it's one of the best interviews we've ever done. And so please stick around for it. We're not going to give you a whole... We're not going to preface it with much other than like it will stand alone and you should you should spend the time. Roughly, what is it? Two hours? Did you look at it, Phil? It's like two yeah, hours. about two hours. About two hours. I thought it was pushing three. It was a long was time. It long. We spent about twenty minutes bullshitting prior to. <laughs> yeah, two. we we did spend a lot of time. So it's been two hour conversation. Hopefully you enjoy it. I know you will. Listen to the whole thing. Please it. listen to the entire thing. But we got lots of emails to get to. But before we do that, guess what's back, Phil? Uh, I know, but I'm going to pretend that I don't. What What's back, Ben? Is it, is it like dull? Something dull. Like dull moments. Nope. Not so sharp. Oh, my God. I'm excited. It's back. Play the jingle. Word sharp. Not so sharp moments. Sharp so you don't have to be. Season two. Yeah. All right. Work sharp. Not so sharp moments is back. Thanks again to work sharp. Workshop has a pretty cool series of videos on their website now teaching you how to sharpen knives. You're going to need that at some point, trust me. But this is, we were going to have a debate about this not-so-sharp moment. This came in unfettered. Un, un, we did not ask for it. People have been sending in not-so-sharp moments. People have been doing dumb shit uh, since we last checked in with not-so-sharp moments. And you've all been sending them to me. So I've logged them in a folder. So we have some. But this is your chance. If you're listening to this now and you have a not-so-sharp moment, we're going to do this for the rest of the year, all through the fall. So if you do something stupid, write it down, be creative, and send it in to us. But you have to tell the truth, Phil. Right? Uh, you should. You can't make it up. No. We're not going to know. This one that I'm about to read, I read it a little bit ago and discussed it with Joe. Do you have I, your doubts? About I have its my vo- doubts about its validity. <laughs> yeah, sure. Whether it's true or not. And if it is true, it's not so sharp to the maximum. Like okay. it's, the, it's the least sharp thing I've ever heard. Wow. <laughs> Which is maybe what we're, we're setting, after. We're setting the bar high, though, for the first uh, the first moment of the season. I kind of just want to skip to the end. Because everything else just... Anyway, I digress. I should read it to you. This is from Ashley. I don't know if I want to even say her last name. Don't, she's, don't for, do it. For her sake, don't. I'm Ashley. And it's spelled A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H. Oh, uh, you know, mm, when, right when you said, and it's spelled like... Yep. I knew you were going to say that. Now I'm, now I'm very upset. Now you're upset. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've upset Phil, Ashley. She Ashley, did. he would prefer you to spell your name like a normal Ashley. Ashley, that's right. Well, that was the first clue that something was amiss when I saw the spelling of Ashley. But anyway. You're like, it's already fake. She, her name is Ashley. She's not a hunter, but she respects and admires hunters. She doesn't mind getting her hands dirty if her boyfriend, who does hunt, needs an extra set of hands. She's a huge fan of the podcast and the show. And everything else that we do. 
and she listens on her drive. So so right now she does like to go fishing and camping and go outside exploring. You're going to need to know that for what comes next. Uh, I'm going to do my best to work through this. Do we have like a background music? No. No. Nothing. Okay. Nope. We need it with this one. I just mean there's more pressure on you to put a lot of life into to this. To deliver it. Yes. Okay. Ashley says, I've got five kids and I try to raise them right and it's still a love of the outdoors every chance I get. I'm also stubborn as an ox and I've been fortunate enough to have my middle son inherit that particular trait from me. I'm a big fan of letting my kids learn the hard way, provided it's safe to do so. So, of course, when my middle son was eight, he decided he didn't have to listen to me anymore because he was going to walk out into the woods and live on his own. Did you ever have that notion when you were a young man, Phil? Not at all. I'm a coward. You're just going to go Christopher McCandless and just live in a van. Uh, I naturally decided to let him plan a three-day camping trip, including choosing what to pack, but he could only pack what he could carry. Kid had no real money, but I'm determined that he has to learn how hard you have to work to get things you need, so he earned Monopoly money by doing chores for other family members over the course of a few weeks, and I had amassed a selection of hiking and camping gear for him to purchase before our trip out. Picking this up, Phil? Mm Mm-hmm. Feeling comfortable? Yep. All right. Well, hang on. He could only take what he could purchase, and I would only pack my own bag with similar items. We were driven two hours out and dropped off at the trailhead in the morning with a rendezvous point and pickup time established. So far, pretty sharp. Seems great. Pretty sharp. Yeah. Learning lessons. Going well. About five miles in, I realized I lost my phone, and thus our map and our ability to call for early extraction should something go wrong. Now, I just want to make a kind as I was reading this, I'm like, well, this is, the, this is the time where you turn around and go back out. Yeah, you're not that far in. Five miles in. What are you doing five miles in anyway? Get some exercise. Uh, Okay. At this point, all I could do is keep track of what turns we were making and head for the lake. I don't know what lake this is, but hopefully it's an easy one to find and try to catch some dinner. We, We found a good spot by the lake, but I had failed to realize that the path we had turned down led to a lake in a recent burn area, not the lake that was several miles in the opposite direction, surrounded by all the berry bushes and shade trees we could have asked for. So now you're at the wrong lake. Mm -hmm. There's no shade, (laughs) no food to be had. So she said, I call a break to rest and go relieve myself. Normally this story would go in that direction. It would have all be all to do with relieving oneself. Sure, classic, classic not so sharp. Classic not so sharp (laughs) moment. When I return my son, <clears throat> return to my son, I find that he has burned every one of our matches trying to start a fire with a stick. <laughs> T- tired, hungry, and irritated, I realize if we're going to make it to the other lake, we need to eat something. All we had packed were life straws, fishing poles, and survival tabs because the kid decided he could make it on his own, and I conceded that we could survive on the tabs as well as hopefully catching some fish, gathering berries, and morels. I go to pull out the survival tabs only to find that he had eaten all of them during the hike and while I was answering nature's call. Now I've got a handful of morels, no berries, and a fishing pole and realize we're not going to hike to the other lake without any food, so I set out to fish. I'm fishing for hours, not catching a damn thing, getting hungry every minute. A random hiker came along asking if we minded if he set up camp near us and if we had any water as he had made the bright decision himself to hike out 10 miles to camp for two days and it only brought a liter of water. Where are you? Like in the dumbest 
piece of timber ever? Like, who? <laughs> water filter? Anybody? You're by a lake. Lord and mighty, it gets worse though. It gets worse. Together, we made a fairly decent ragtag group of idiots in the woods. <laughs> well, so, at least you're self-aware. Self-aware. Yes, that's, that's exactly good. what I was going to say. That's what matters. <laughs> There's no way you could type that out and not not make that mention. <laughs> we had two life straws, so I traded a life straw for a hand at fishing, and, he w- and the guest wound up catching the only three fish that were caught that weekend. My son managed to decapitate a garter snake with his machete, so we cleaned that and ate that as well. If you can even call that eating. They ate a gardener's sake. Okay. <laughs> On the hike out, we passed a couple hiking in, and I asked if they happened to have a granola bar to spare, and they gave me a pack of Cliff Blocks, which I devoured, and of course, promptly, let me let me pause here. Cliff Blocks, you guys know what those are? Yeah, they're chewy little energy blocks. Chewy mm-hmm. little energy blocks. I love them. They're always going on my pack. So I actually devoured them, and of course, as she says, of course, I don't know why this would be an of course promptly regurgitated them into a puddle of still perfectly formed gummies and water. The only other thing that was in my stomach. She forgets the garter snake. I'm not one... And the three fish? And the three fish. I'm not one to waste, so I rinsed those suckers off and ate them again. Dramatic pause. Are you guys picturing this? Yeah. Ashley's got problems. All on our floor, just puking into the dirt and then just scooping them up. (laughs) I need the calories. The great news is they stayed down the second time. This is rough. So thank God. It gets worse. <laughs> this is... Go home, Ashley, with a G. Mike, and an H. Uh, <laughs> an H. By the trailhead, we found three McDonald's chicken nuggets on the ground. <laughs> yes. You want to guess what happens next? And she I shit em. you not, they were the best thing I had ever eaten up to that moment in my life. Oh, I mean, I, I can imagine like a like a beam of light coming down from the clouds shining Aww. on the chicken nuggets. Sure. Moral of the story is, can't <laughs> wait for this one. Don't let your eight-year-old plan a camping trip. It's a not-so-sharp <laughs> decision. Play the jingle, Phil! Work sharp, not-so-sharp moments. Sharp so you don't have to be. Season two! Yeah! Well, that's a good way to start season two. Uh... I hope that's not true. It's. I mean, it sounds believable. To it sounds me. believable. When sure. I first read it, I'm like, "Dah, there's no there's way." There's so much detail in there. And I think that's that's true. And I, I'm sorry, Ashley. <laughs> I'm sorry too. <laughs> I'm sorry to this unnamed eight year old boy. Yeah, who had learned what well, one more valuable lesson he learned. If you puke it up, you can eat it. Uh huh. Depends on how much you chewed it. Sounded so. like she. Or he was doing great. He's like, "I got this snake. I'm gonna eat it." Oh yeah. He was having a hard time starting a fire, but. He That's, sounded like a trooper. Yeah, you know? he ate a garter snake. Yeah, he's like, I got <laughs> made this. A, he made a fr- probably a lifelong friend of that yeah. gentleman that they met in the woods. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, well, that sets a high bar for season two of Not So Sharp Moments. Please write us at THC at TheMedia.com. Let us know all the stupid things you're doing outside. Please, uh, not too long. Not too short. Just right. Just right. And be creative, but be truthful. Okay, now, we got a bunch of more... Really fun emails to read. This one is another one of my favorites. Now, I gotta say, man, like the THC email account is the thing that keeps me going, Joe. It just keeps me really because the mediator account is what keeps me down. <laughs> <laughs> well, that shows you the diff- 
I hopefully like the fact that way less people listen to this podcast keeps it insulated. Exactly. Oh, there you go. Okay. That's the point. That's, That's the idea. We don't want if you're out there and you're new listening, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Keep not- listening if you want. But we're trying to keep this thing small. Ben, I am not sure about this uh, this marketing campaign. Oh, okay. You got going right now. <laughs> Crap. You know, last week we talked about uh, our liberal hunter friend. What was his name? Oh, Chad. Yeah. Was it Chad? Lib- liberal hunters of or North America? Was it America? CJ? No, it was Chad. I think it was Chad. Okay. It was Chad. All Chad's. Yes, Chad. Oh, I love Chad's. Most Chad's. Uh, anyway, this guy, Martin Resnick writes in. He says, uh, I'll try to th- jump through this a little bit for time's sake. Adult uh, Onset Hunter, longtime listener. He says, I've done all the things dopey city folks do with too much money and no experience. I bought <laughs> slick matching camo systems, read bad information on the internet, and I haven't killed shit save a rabbit. <laughs> I love that line. Keep going. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I get it. I'm unintentionally the butt of almost every hunting personality's jokes, except, of course, yours. I love that you try to reach public lands communists like me, and after years of listening to your show, I don't doubt your good intentions. But at the same time, I'm still, a, I'm still a demographic, and my ratio of dollars spent at first light to big game kills is undefined. Seeing as you can't divide by zero, but also embarrassingly since the numerator here is, is so high. So I have never quite been able to shake the feeling that maybe, just maybe, there's a vague whiff of pandering to people like me without genuine acceptance. So he thinks we're pandering to him. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I we are. <laughs> this show's about pandering to everybody. <laughs> like, we, if you're out there, pander, we'll pander, pander to you. Pander. But just don't listen too much, because then you know we'll get too big. Uh, for me, the show is kind of like mayonnaise. Once I get past the vaguely suspicious odor, it's delicious. <laughs> Man, this guy, I, we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> <laughs> Is this you, Phil? Did you, you write in shit? Oh, you, man. You, don't have you, you make up a false identity? He's just identity? putting into words what I've been thinking for months. <laughs> yeah, we, you don't have first light, though. I won't allow you to have that. You got to pay for it. Uh, that is and now here's where it goes that is until episode 130 when you finally gave us liberals the shit talking trolling we deserve I actually feel more part of the community and not just part of a valuable audience a little mockery is the most valuable kind of recognition it is nice to know that THC believes that people like me are relevant enough to tease but can be counted on to to not simply go away if we get huffy and offended thank you I mean it I don't have a liberal, liberal hunter Facebook page, and I have made some friends locally who can help me out. But finding partners and mentors really is not easy when you come from way outside the culture. Uh, he also says uh, he hoped to win the New Zealand hunt with me, but he didn't. So he could on the plane ride over there. He inf- he could explain to me that I'm not a stoic and that Ryan Holiday is deeply misguided. But anyway. He's got like some jab. He's like jabbing. Mm-hmm. I like good. this guy. I like it. I like we we guy made a would, joke about liberals. And now he's like, ah, and, I'm in. Him and I would get along. I feel like <laughs> me and him, an East Coast liberal guy. We'll, we'll see, but he's, obvi- he's obviously not liberal because he, he made the joke that. Yeah, uh, Martin. If you were liberal, you'd be offended. You Yeah, he'd be offended and running away. So yeah. he's obviously not liberal. <laughs> Stop faking it, you liberal bastard. <laughs> get it together. Um, Tofu never caused a pandemic. This, let me show you this, Phil. This is a billboard by PETA. Mm. Tofu never caused a pandemic. Good for them. They've got a they point. They did it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And the list of things that never caused a pandemic, tofu is on it. 
Wow. I mean, I'm trying to think about like how effective, how effective, I mean, let's, let's like put aside how stupid that billboard is for a second, but like how, wow. how effective do you think that like messaging like that is? Well, some people drove by are like, yeah. I, well, it's like, do you know what the takeaway from like this global pandemic is? No more meat. We should like, is that kind of, I mean, I wonder how many people honestly think that. Probably like a decent amount. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, Amanda Atkinson wrote in and she wanted to show us this because I certainly, if I, if I, uh, if I'd have seen it, I'd have pulled over and, of course, taken a picture and probably made some sort of snarky about post it. about it on the internet. But mm-hmm. she said, I love listening to THC. Since you have discussed veganism, factory farms, animal rights, meat substitutes, etc., I thought I'd share this billboard that I saw the other day on my way home from work. I live in central Indiana, which is really, I feel like, the target region for PETA. What's PETA doing in Indiana? None of their people are there. It's all our people there. Mm-hmm. Get out a of lot there, of cows. Peter. Get out get, of there. Get out of there. Get out of there. The first time I saw it, I had to do a double take. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Did I just read what I thought I read? There are so many things I could say about the message here, and I find it particularly hilarious because I'm a registered dietitian who hunts and eats meat. I don't know if you can see who sponsored the billboard in the picture. I, we did. It's PETA. But like I said, I could make a ton of comments on how messed up this message is. For instance... Yeah, tofu never caused a pandemic, but tell me the last time that any sort of wild game did either. Could you imagine the backlash that would probably be caused if Cabela's, for some irony, there is a Cabela's at the exit just south of where this billboard is, put up a billboard that said venison never caused a pandemic with a picture of a whitetail and try it in November. Not to mention the overall fear of animal products that they are trying to instill in people. As a registered dietitian, I spend my days treating people who struggle with eating disorders, trying to help them heal from food guilt slash fear. So when I see shit like this, it just makes me crazy. That's a that's what she wrote. I like her. I really like her too. I want to be her friend. What's yeah. her name? Her name's Amanda. Amanda. Is that with a G? Uh, <laughs> that's with three H's and a, and a G. Uh, Amanda. Amanda. I did Google this marketing campaign from PETA, and it looks like they have these billboards up in California. Big surprise there. Iowa and <laughs> Nebraska. Obviously. Of course, the article that comes up when you Google this is also filled with flawed logic and guilt trips. She included the link for us, which I will click now. But I imagine what it says. Reality check. <laughs> Reality check, Phil. Tofu. <laughs> Never caused the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Oh, when was the last the last pandemic? People would say it was like 1918. Mm. How, Spanish how flu? Yes, I'm sure. I'm, I, don't, I don't think tofu was being. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> how long has tofu been a product? Hey, I well, I don't know. That's a great I don't know. I should look that. Up. I think since <laughs> since we were lower we were lower hominids when we became. Now look that up, Joe. Well, like soy, of course, has been around. But like when, a, yeah, I don't know. Peter will be happy when the U.S. meat shortage is solved but not by the reopening of slaughterhouses by millions of individuals' de- decisions to ditch meat altogether. After all, eating animals and slaughtering them in filthy wet markets and on factory farms. I love how they made they made that leap. They're like, you know, those wet markets and those factory farms uh-huh. in small-town rural America. You were really wrong, Phil. Like, really It's probably wrong. very old, isn't it? It's incredibly old. Oh, wow. Over 2,000 years ago. Well, well wow. I'm on Peter's side. Yeah. <laughs> I just turned Phil. That was easy. Um, I love wet markets. Phil. (laughs) This is my favorite, maybe one of my favorite sentences of all time. After all, eating animals and slaughtering them in filthy wet markets and on factory farms gave us this pandemic and lots of other viruses, including avian flu, swine flu, MERS, and SARS. (laughs) So, so hey, you know what our saying here is on THC? Never let a good crisis go to waste. 
Congratulations, PETA. You did your best. And you're marketing to idiots. Back to your point, Phil. Anybody who drives by this and goes, yeah, is an idiot, I feel. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, uh, misinformed. I'm going to be polite. Thanks for being. <laughs> You're always the voice of reason, Phil. All right. Well, listen. Um, I got a. I had a bunch of other emails I wanted to read, but we're just we have such a long interview uh, this week. It's such an important one that we're not going to get into that. But listen, you're, what you're about to listen to, as I said earlier, is a very important conversation. His name is Mark Carter. He's a snowboarder, professional snowboarder. He's made many, many of the most famous snowboarding films out there. Uh, he's a man that loves adventure. He's a man that loves regenerative agriculture. And he's a salty earth, I would say, rancher from Ten Sleep, Wyoming. Um, but there's another side of this story, and this is a story that he's he's not told in the public sphere in this way to this point. So stick in for all of that. One of my favorites. We had a good time hunting. So you're going to hear about that right now. Enjoy Mark Carter. Mark Carter. How are you, sir? Howdy. Great. Welcome to the Meat Eater Studio. Hey, how's thanks, it? Uh, thanks for having me. You know, I tell you, I, since this is only uh, an ear situation, it's only a, a listening uh, engagement. Could you describe the studio for people in your best wow. pros? Like, just Ooh. this is your first time in here. It's first time. I'd say this. it's very curated. Yeah. There's some uh, yeah. some nice photography, which mm-hmm. I really enjoy. I mm-hmm. really like the essence of the community within this building. They all have a little picture, yep. and then lots yep. of. Uh, some horns, the ladies smoking something. That's that's cool. Yeah, I don't know where you know anything about that, Joe. I have no idea where that comes from. Nope. It, it no looks clue. like uh, that's smoke, but it's yeah. art. Yeah. It's art. No, it's art. And I She's like definitely the, the buffler there and getting yeah. after stuff. Yeah, it's so you, it's it's comfortable. I feel, you feel very comfortable. Com- I feel so comfortable within these walls. Like, Thank I you. feel like I could say anything. That's right. <laughs> now, here's what we're gonna. I'm gonna have to start with a disclaimer. We just spent uh, you know a couple days in hunting camp. And you guys know how hunting camp goes. Things get said. Jokes are made. We laugh. It's not all appropriate for the air. And so the challenge over the next however long we record is to keep keep the two worlds separate. Yes. You, yes? <clears throat> yeah, I think so. You think so? They can trickle a little, but they, I think with can, the humor, but there's, you know, just... Uh, we're telling stories. PG-13. Here. We're telling stories. We're eh, telling stories. We've got lots of stories here. Um... Joe Farinato's here. Yes, sir. Joe, we, we just got back from bear camp. We're still smelly. Very. All the way around. Yep. Didn't see a bear. No bears. The story, Joe's basic story is that he took us to his hot spot. <laughs> like, where I killed my bear. Where he killed his bear, the hottest of spots. Yeah. Would you, like, how would you say in Fuego, fire spot? Like, how would you describe this spot? Like, you, in your mind, there were bears so like hundreds of bears, herds of them. Uh, not not herds. I wouldn't say that. In my mind, it was like it, it was a prime spot. Good country everywhere. Everywhere we went, good. You, country. you were able to move fairly easily throughout the country. It was a spot where I was like, we'll go there. We might not, you know, get a bear, but at least we'll have an opportunity. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I think I think you might be lying. I think you said to me, we're gonna get it. Like we're gonna see some bears. I'm, I may have said like that. that. I was very confident. I was under the impression we were going to see bears. Mark, I was very confident. Mark drove yeah. here from Ten Sleep, Wyoming. I did. To yeah. see a bear. Hey, man. It was I mean, good. It was good. It was good. We're just going to give you shit throughout this whole... Dude, I just wanted to hang fun. out with you guys, man. 
Yeah. We we did some mm-hmm. hanging. That's yeah. usually why I'm here, Ben, to take the shit. That's right. There's long uh, walks and just nice naps in the beautiful mountain wildflowers. So, and yeah. We, Wind. Like, we... Joe's hot spot didn't. We didn't see any bears, but we did see. Well, you guys saw wolves yesterday. That's yeah. a highlight of. Yeah, that was the highlight. I think just sitting there watching those wolves. How many but wolves was it? Five. There was five of them. Dude, that's five wolves. You don't I've often see five, five wolves, wolves together. Man. They just like, they move like ghosts, right? They do. That was so cool. They just kind of pass and buy some elk. Yeah, those elk. I mean, they 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 were aware, but. That was about the only predator we saw. That's just true. to reiterate, we didn't see any bears. Didn't see any bears? We saw wolves though. So we went to Joe's hot spot. Didn't yeah, see any hot bears. spot, bear hot spot. But we did see a Pros- big black predator, like a black bear. So. That's true. That's true. That's no, it was close. There. Yeah, there a was a bla- the big black wolf. Yeah, the white one, and then like three little gray ones. That's cool. Yeah, that's, that's cool. We saw a lot of elk. Lots a lot of elk. elk. How many elk do you think we saw? Five hundred elk. Five hundred elk. I, I don't think we saw five hundred elk. That's that's ridiculous. Okay. That's a that's a bit of an we saw like hundred, maybe eighty. Eighty, I think eighty. Okay, I was way off. Maybe less. Maybe less than that. But I mean, you I'm can times them times two right now, so you might be close. Yeah, One. that's how I tend to tell stories. Okay. Uh, we saw ten wolves, <laughs> one hundred and sixty elk. Yeah, it's like Hollywood now. Uh, we saw lots of deer, lots of mule deer, lots of deer. Oh, I saw a Ooh, fox. The fox. The fox was, the fox cool. was legit. Yeah, you know, like a black tail and a black face. The grouse. Like white spatches. We saw a lot of grouse. A lot of grouse. Great grouse spot. So good hunt. We were saying around the fire last night, Mark and I, like, um, the best hunts are the ones where you absolutely enjoy yourself, even though you were miserably unsuccessful. That is the key. Well, I think, you know, just not having expectations is, you know, I kind of always go into the, any situation, just no expectations. Like, what is it, what's it going to give me? Yeah. Like, what's it going to offer? And you just take what it gives you and, and enjoy it. And it's like, you know, just getting to hang out with you guys and, and talk Hell smack yeah, and laugh. I think it's such an important thing to... You know, it's like everybody's kind of been locked down. So, like, to get out with some with some good guys and yeah. go for a walk and laugh and just be social. This is the first time I hunted with somebody that wasn't from Montana for months. Yeah. Well, it felt good. It felt, felt good. I can't, felt I'm not going to lie to you. It felt good. It felt real good. Um, what else? I mean, like, like I said, we only hunted. We hunted a, a day and a half, basically. Yeah, but the like nowadays for me especially, I know for you too, Mark. You, we're going to get into all that you do because I discovered over the last day and a half that you do more than anyone I've almost ever known. Hmm. Yeah. Do a lot of shit. Do some uh, things and stuff. Do some things. We're going to talk about do all some of it. Things <laughs> a little bit here and there. But you know, the the limited time we get out, the country that we live in is some of the most beautiful country in the world. I mean, we were looking at we were. Inundated everywhere we went with beautiful parks and meadows, grass, green grass, bright green structures, grass, and big ridges, snow covered peaks, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it was easy on the eyes. It was easy, real easy, easy on, on the eyes. eyes. Good energy too, you know. Like I think certain certain areas, certain mountains, you definitely like feel the energy of the of the place you're in, and that place was very inviting. Yeah, there was never like even walking at dark. You know, it was like well, I knew we weren't going to see any bears, so <laughs> I we weren't scared worried. of grizzlies. But I wasn't worried about running into a bear, so I was like, got Joe with us, you know. Let him lead the charge. Yeah, he garholed us anyway. The most beautiful garhole. That's what we're going to call it. Garhole. That's what beautiful garhole. That's what we're going to call this episode. The most beautiful garhole. But the it was most good, man. Prime habitat for bears that didn't have bears. And that's like the moral of the of this podcast. Really is, is especially since I moved to Montana. Is we don't always kill shit, but we have a good time. It's called hunting. It's called hunting. They ain't called killing. <laughs> Not ever. Well, I think it's experience, man. Like honestly, for me and <clears throat> anything that I do in my endeavors is is experience. You know, it's like it would have been great to elevate the experience with maybe like getting on something and hunting, and obviously 
that's exhilarating, but just being out there and, and walking around and just, you know, really getting with the, the pace of, of, of nature and, and slowing it down and no, no cell phones, just like focused on the task at hand and, um, just talking, talking about real things yeah, is, man. uh, is, yeah. is super important. That's, about that's, those are the things I remember. I mean, like there's been so many like amazing events in my life and, and not to like, wow, I'm, I'm the man, but like I have a lot of exhilarating things just like from yeah. my job and my career. But like the things I really remember are the things that really matter. And it was those experiences with those people that I've traveled the world with or been in these amazing places. And it's not even about like the biggest mountains or the, the most amazing days, like getting footage or whatever. It's just about like that experience with yeah. those people. Yeah. We all got to like share that. And yeah. Um, it's really okay. important. I'll tell you, like over the last couple of days, we've been talking about life, telling stories. You've heard a lot of my, uh, mm. a lot of my stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sheila Guthrie, everybody. I mean, heard about everybody. You know, you know a lot about me now. Do, you know, the deep dark corners of my life, and I heard a lot of your stories. And like when you get to, we get to talking about things and lining up on ideas. We've lately we've kind of this this show has kind of circled around some things like hunting for the experience regenerative agriculture, how we eat, how we move through the world, how we philosophically look at like our interaction with nature. And like most of what you have said and how you talk and how you speak and the things that are important to you and the priorities for your life and how you shape your worldview, this, we didn't pick it out this way. I just wanted to talk to you because I knew you were an interesting dude, but like listen to you talk. I think everybody that listens to this show, me personally, I'm sure Joe as well. It's like you the way that you approach things is to me important for people to hear. Yeah. You know, I just kind of, I think an open mind is really important in approaching things in an open mind. Um, and just letting things happen. You know, I, I, I just think I really try to never force anything. I think just like work hard, but, um, be open to like what your surroundings are. And I think just like, I, I bring that, from the mountains and like what I do in the winter and navigating and, and it's like, can be a pretty hazardous environment and you can never force things and never just like have expectations and you, you know, cause it's such an emotional up and down because it's all based upon mother nature. Yeah. And so when I, I kind of try to approach, approach everything like that with just open and like listening to what's going around me and then try to respond rather than react. And, you know, sometimes keeping the emotions out of it and just kind of like reacting or responding to situations. And, um, Man, I think you just just be kind, be good yeah. to people. No, yeah, and you, like you seem like you do a lot. Like you seem like you're not afraid to jump in both feet into whatever. I mean, we get into all the things. You, I can't even remember all the things. You're like, oh yeah, I, I deal with these folks and these folks and these well, folks. You told just, me that you had a motel and ten sleep. Yeah, a little motel to Carter in. Yeah, <laughs> my mom. Yeah, it, it, so it's one of those things where I'm in business with everyone in my family. Yeah. They're like, whoa, you know, you 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 can test your patience uh, when you're in business with maybe one person, but um, I love my family. Don't get me wrong. Like it's great. And it's, it's an amazing experience. I've always grown up working next to my family, but um, yeah, my mom, we bought this motel like 10 years ago in 10 sleep and she, she wanted to do it. And I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm down like, like I'll invest in whatever, you know, handyman work. I'll, I can do it. Like, let's do this mom. And then I, in the beginning I cleaned some rooms, you know, like we were pretty short staffed and she's a go-getter like every day, all day work. <clears throat> and now my sister manages the place. So it's like a family, a family affair for sure. But in the beginning, like cleaning rooms, but I was so bad at it that like she wouldn't let me do it anymore. Like I was all right cleaning, but like making beds, she's like, no, you're done. And I was like, oh, poor me. <laughs> you know? Something to be bad at. Yeah, something to be bad at. But it was like, it was good because I don't, I don't really want to like make beds. Well, like another thing that 
you know, as we talk about like how you shape, how you think about things and approach things, because like you're a successful man, um, done a lot, doing a lot. Growing up, you grew up Ten Sleep, Wyoming. Yes, sir. Forty thousand acre ranch. Yes, sir. Roughly. Roughly. Purchased by your grandfather. Yep. Yep. So it's been with my brother's kids. It's four generations. Yeah. Um, pretty pretty amazing place there yeah. on the on the western slope of the big yeah. ones. Tell us, describe that thing because I know you you have I'm sure have a lot of affinity for. The yeah, place. I mean, Ten Sleeps. You know, that's my comfort zone. That's where I was born and raised on that ranch. You know, and I think you know I, I give so much of my. Uh, the way I was shaped and my character from just growing up on, on a ranch. <clears throat> and obviously my dad was a pretty hard ass and he worked as hard and he had sons. So he had like help, you know, and I get it. <laughs> like I get it now. I was like, I don't want to dig that hole. Like he's like, you dig the hole. So he taught us that from a very young age, we were always shorthanded to work hard, but that really molded a lot of things. You know, you're always like, dad, dude, dad, you're such a dick, but it really was amazing growing up that way. Cause now I look back and I'm like, Oh, no, he was just, he understood what life was going to be, and he was just getting me ready. He was like, oh, take a beating. Um, but just growing up, I think that close to nature, we didn't have TV, you know, out, outside was like my 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 creative space. That was like everything to me, you know, grabbing a little 22 and running down the creek. I fished every day. We had like this beautiful Tensley Creek ran right through the property, and then, you know, all the ranch was connected all the way up the slope of the Bighorn. So I grew up just kind of running wild like a coyote, and... You know, if we, if we stood, if we were around the house, like there was always like every morning you had to get up early, like no matter what, like if there was anything going on, like dad was like, it didn't even matter if you're getting up, like, let's go, you know? And, and so that's still kind of ingrained in my head. I have anxiety if I sleep past seven, that's fine. But I think just growing up within the dirt and just being part of that, it was, it just really molded what I wanted to do, you know, at a young age. I was like, I want to be a mountain man. I had no idea. I saw like Davy Crockett. I was like, I want to be a mountain man. But like, it's funny because now I like look at my life and I've like molded it to be. Yeah. I'm not like a mountain man, but I am like kind of a mountain man in 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 my career and everything that I've chosen to like you know put my energy into. But uh, you know, and I think my my career longevity within snowboarding has been because I there is a balance because I spend my winters in Jackson Hole. And then I spend my summers in tent sleep. And, and that really gives me this balance because Jackson is a wonderful place, but it's not really like, it's not tent sleep. You know, it's not, people aren't like, you know, struggling to survive and working every day in like super blue collar. There is within that, but it's kind of a little hidden behind yeah. the scenes in Jackson, but up in tent sleep, it's up front. So I always made it a point to come home every summer and help my family and like ingrain myself within that community and just, man, people work hard to survive. Like, and, um, when when you're working hard to survive, you really don't have time for a lot other things like, you know, unnecessary banter or whatever. But it's like that really I was always made it a point to be accepted by that community every time I came back and not be like, oh, look at Carter over here, like, you know, doing his thing, traveling, being a pro snowboarder. You know, and I was like, <laughs> they didn't even know, like, until like recently, like nobody really understood like what pro snowboarding was. I was, was kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm doing my thing. Like. Because board they filmed well, it. Well, coming from there, that wasn't even like an option. Like nobody yeah. went out and um, like chased that like unattainable dream. It was kind of an unattainable thing. But I was like, at a young age, I was like, well, why would I put my energy into something I don't want to do? Because, you know, I'm supposed to conform to this like mold. I'm going to go like put all my energy into something that I want to do. And I think it just came with like not being afraid to fail. 
You know, I think that's yeah. what holds people back. It's like, man, I know what it is to fail, you know, snowboarding like you learn i'm not the best snowboarder in the world like by any means but i can i, I like know how to wreck really good <laughs> you got to learn how to wreck so when you have the confidence you're like okay if i like you you have something lined up you want to hit or, or ride a line you're like okay if i wreck here like i'm gonna be okay like i got that well you have then you have the confidence to just kind of go for it yeah and I think it's just I, I kind of try to try to take that into life is like man like all the failures that I've had have really I mean those were all a blessing in in some way shape or form because you learn from that and I think just moving forward and you know something my dad told me when I was about eighteen and he was hard on us you know he, there wasn't a lot of like how are you feeling today <laughs> what do you guys want to do it's like you know he was he was running a big ranch and he was by himself you know he had us boys and so we were expected to pull our weight and we worked hard I mean cattle battles like these moving you know 600 head of cattle with you know my dad on a horse that was bucking the whole day because he was always riding rank stuff and then my brother my little brother or my big brother and I just like getting it done and there and there was no other option than to get the job done there wasn't like well didn't work. We, I guess we'll just try to, no, there was like, dude, we got to get this done. Like yeah. when, when you're responsible for livestock and animals that, and, and I, re, you know, it's so important, like there's no quitting. So you just have to find a solution. And I think that, uh, my dad, like back to that, when I was 18, he was like, I dropped out of college. Cause I, I like thought I was going to be like, I was like, yeah, college. that's what everybody told you. And I got to like, gotta a, have I, well, I got a football scholarship and I was like, Oh shit. Sweet. Yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, and it wasn't a big football scholarship. It was whatever. Give me an excuse. I thought I was, I thought I was pretty cool. You know, I was like, I'm going to do this. And I was like, <laughs> I, I don't even know who I was then, but, uh, I dropped out. I mean, I lasted like a semester and I just did not, I wanted to fish and, yeah. you know, and he, he just told me, he's like, Mark, if you know how to work hard, you'll always be okay. And I was like, damn, all right. Well, I took so much like comfort and security. And I was like, no matter what I do, like if I fail, like I'll just get some other job and I'll work and I'll build it back up. And it was just like, it gave me this real security to just kind of go for it. And I always had the, like the backing of the ranch, you know, like if I failed, like I could always come back to the ranch and, and work and like make a living or whatever life that may be. But so it really like, I, I, you know, give the ranch and my dad and my, my mom a lot of credit for that, like ingraining that worth work ethic and like just kind of like go you know go for it and, and in the beginning they weren't like super supportive my mom always was down. that's what i was gonna ask but you. my I'm dad like, was like what's your dad say when my dad's like, just like i'm gonna snowboard dude. what's your deal like are you working because <laughs> i mean that's how they base yeah. like success you know you work hard and you know and it's not necessarily bank account and in, in in my opinion i think it's really like what's your quality of life and like you only need so much and I think when you, you like take on all these things, I've just learned to like, just take on what I can handle. Like, don't overextend myself. I'm real careful about not like overextending myself. And then I start getting stressed or like too many obligations. I'll just like pull up, pull back and be like, yo, like, this is what I can do. This is the amount of energy I have. And this is what I'm going to focus on. And <clears throat> man, I, I can't, I can't complain, man. I love my life. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct 
a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. When did your dad turn? <laughs> like, when did it, like, is there a time where he was like, I get it now? Or, like, uh, I see what you're doing at least. Like, there was a yeah, vision. Yeah, you know, I was about, you know, and I was a late bloomer because most people in the, the whole, like, trajectory of pro snowboarder, especially during that time, was like, you know, if you weren't, like, sponsored by 18 and, and grinding and, like, you know, coming up in the ranks or whatever, it's just, it was a totally different world than you're kind of old. Like by the time you were 30, you were kind of like late twenties or washed up snowboard. Like it was kind of done. So the, the template was different. And I dropped in late because during high school I was focused, I was intensely, I was focused on high school. I was focused on football. I didn't, I wasn't even snowboarding because our little resort that I'd learned at metal arc, it was shut down. So I kind of like lost my path, but I needed purpose. So football was like, took that, that, that place. And, um, you know, I was like, I did the college and then I worked for a year and I was like, man, I just want to go snowboarding. Like, what, what am I doing? So I didn't even per- started pursuing this till I was like 21. And I actually moved to Bozeman um, when I, I was 20. That. I didn't know that. Yeah, sure. I moved yeah. to Bozeman. So my dad, my dad, my grandfather um, had that he grew my dad and grew up in Bridger Canyon. Yeah, he told me that. A little shack yeah, up my, there. Yeah, yeah, a little shack up there. And so him and his 10 brothers and sisters grew up in Bridger Canyon. So he always had these stories about Bridger Canyon. My grandpa did a bunch of logging up there and just the hunting and his, like the bears and just like sounded like the Wild West. And so when I decided that I was like, yo, I'm going to I'm gonna work for a year on the ranch hard right after college and then I'm going to just dip out and go snowboard for a whole season and just see, you know, like eat ramen and just <clears throat> be poor and be a dirt bag and live on the floor and make it happen. And I was like trying to pick places to come, and I was like, "Well, Bozeman, man, like I find some comfort because my dad had been here." And I was like, "Oh, it's kind of close to Tensley, but like I can do that. That's a big move." So I came up, started riding here, and I spent. I ended up spending two. I never spent a summer, but I spent two winters riding Bridger, just kind of like getting. And I hadn't snowboarded in like four or five years, so all my gear was like outdated. And I was going to. <laughs> there's a shop here in Bozeman called World Boards, and I would go in there, and like when I had enough money, I'd buy. Uh, like the some bindings and I got boots and I got like I upgraded my my kit and I was like man the technology's kind of come a long way this is sick <laughs> <laughs> and then I uh, my buddy Dan and and Justin they came up from Jackson and they were like hey you should come to Jackson this spring like after you leave Bozeman I mean I literally lived on an air mattress and I could move in my 1999 Grand Am I could throw all my gear in my 1990 Grand Am in like an hour and be on the road. Like that was my life. And so I planned on going back to tent sleep. And then I met, I ended up in Jackson and I just spent a couple days there. And I was like, dude, what have I been doing? Like I grew up in Wyoming my whole life. I had heard about Jackson, but I didn't even know this like mountain re- existed. These mountains existed. Cause I, I never went over there because it was like, you know, we didn't travel a lot as a kid, you know, it was like, I'd go to these small resorts in, in, in Wyoming. So we ended up in Jackson and <clears throat> man, I was, I was hooked. I was like, I'm coming back next year. They gave me a job. And, that was what really honed like mm-hmm. my my big boy skills for for snowboarding. Well, because like snowboarding, the way you were explaining, Joe knows all about snowboarding, or knows more than I know. I, I love snowboarding. Sure. I love the mountains. Anything in the mountains is what I do. I love it too, but I like I'm not. I don't know the I don't know the game. I don't know the culture. Um, are you? You're not aiming for 
gold medals. You're not aiming for no. Are you like? It seems to me that you're charting your own path. Like what you do now, if you you know, if you Google Mark Carter snowboarding, you're to find films and yeah, like art, snowboarding art, yeah, amazing wrecks. Yeah, like you, you know, wrecking hard, wrecking um, hard. Well, it's just like you know, it's very, it's it's like it's it's freedom to be out there and navigate these giants safely and like look at because every snowboarder like i have an amazing group of people i ride with and just like this 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 um whole community around the world that you can go anywhere and and find these amazing guys and and, like being tapped into that that like special you know pro like i have a lot of contacts which is cool i get to like ride with these heroes of mine but everybody looks at the mountains different and it's like this very creative way and free way to just to move you know and 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 it's like this, um, like going out in the mountains in the in the winter when when we're filming and we have these objectives and this purpose. Like I, I have such a sense of purpose in winter to explore and 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 find new zones to ride, new new lines, new jumps, whatever we're doing, and document that. And I think that's what really is like the special part about it. I don't have anybody telling me what I need to be doing. I mean, there's certain th- times I have obligations of sponsors that, you know, they need some assets, but I've really created this own path of mine that I get a ride with the people that I want to ride with. And which is one of the most important things being with the people that I trust and I know care about me and I know are going to put their hundred percent into what we're doing because it's dangerous and like they have positive attitudes. And so it's really cool to be able to like pick my crew from the filmers to the photographers to the riders. I mean, it's so important. Everybody needs to be moving um, safely and smoothly. And like everybody needs to be thinking as we're navigating. Because yeah. it's like, you know, when conditions let us, we're going to really like walk that line a little bit. You know, I mean, we don't make any decisions. Like people would look at it, you're like crazy. But there's a lot of calculation that goes into like these objectives and, and the things we're riding because uh, – you know, all the content that usually comes out is just like the best, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know how many hours of, of, of filming and working we do for like, you know, five minutes of film. We're only putting out the best, but, um, yeah, it's, it's very special, man. What about injuries? I, I've definitely, you know, had some injuries and it's always one of those things where you, a lot of the times you're just riding through injuries. Not, I mean, there's injuries and hurt. <laughs> like injuries are like kind of, you're, you're yeah, immobilized. As a t-shirt. We it's like, I, I did an ACL like years ago and that was a, that was like, that was an injury. You know, I was down for six or seven months, but that was right at the end of winter. So it was no big deal. But like, yeah, you take a beating, you know, like holding on, like I get tendonitis. So I, you know, I got to work on like, you know, just sledding all winter. My hands go numb. <laughs> Which is super sweet, <laughs> especially when you're trying to sleep. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, they have these amazing, like, uh, like little massage guns and oh. stuff these days. Man, that can really you use them if your hands aren't numb? Awesome. Yeah, you can just use them on your whole body. It's great. Just do it. It's great. But uh, I think it's maintenance. You know, I think it, a lot of it comes down to nutrition, taking care of yourself. I don't party. Like, you know, I like a good tequila once in a while, but <clears throat> I, I want to wake up just, like, early, ready to go. And I think – putting a lot of that thought into um, continuing this. And especially, you know, I'm getting older. Yeah. And not that I feel older, but it's like I am aware that your body definitely, if you're not upkeeping, then stuff's going to fall off. So it's like yeah. staying strong, eating healthy. You know, I think that's that's super important. Well, shit. And like, moving, moving. Yeah, I mean, man. you certainly move. And, and you would think for me, right, to be in a, doing what you do, snowboarding all winter, 
filming it, being part of that, the production process, doing all that, that, and having a ranch, that would eat up all of your time. You wouldn't have time for anything else. But mm-hmm. we already mentioned the motel. And then you also yeah. have Carter Country Meats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the ranch, you know, we just kind of, uh, you know, about six or seven years or seven, geez, seven years ago. Uh, you know, I, I'd been to Jackson for 10 plus years and people were always asking you like, hey, like, how do I get your beef? And I was like, oh, that's a good question, man. I don't know. How do I get my beef? A lot, you of, know? Jo- a lot of jokes there. I <laughs> <laughs> left mean, those jokes back at camp. I've definitely <laughs> fed uh, a lot of the Jackson community my beef. Yeah. You know, always, a lot of people, people always come up beef. saying that I love your meat. And they I'm just like, meat. that's great. That's a very, yeah. Um, yeah, no. it's a rewarding compliment. I can't wait to have your meat. <clears throat> I can't wait to feed you. Thank you. But so... You know, seven years ago, we, we, my brother and I, we were like, man, we got to do something different, you know, because this commodity thing is like, you're at the mercy of the market, ups and downs. Yeah. Can we it, take a step back real quick? Yeah. I think it's important. The thing is, is an important thing before we kind of, because I want to talk about the ranch more and talk about Carter Country Meats, obviously. But explain, take us through what a rancher is in your mind. Oh, man. And like what a rancher means to the landscape. Because we, like, this is a, a, a vital thing. And let me just say, like, We've talked about regenerative agriculture, you yeah. and I, the other day when we were hiking, we were talking about that. Talking about just like relationships to the land, yeah. relationships to the folks that control that land at some level. And I think it's very important because we although we haven't had a rancher on this podcast in some time, but we're always talking about these issues that are either parallel to, ancillary to, or directly yeah. related to ranchers, what they do, how it affects hunters, how it affects how we eat, how it affects our food system, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And so I think it's important just to hear you kind of just... Just go nuts on that. I think, I mean, some of the most dedicated, committed people that I've ever been around, you know, hardworking, honest, they care more about the the land and the animals. I mean, that's their responsibility, you know, in life. That's their whole purpose is for those animals in that land to do well. They're the true stewards of the land. They have their, their hands in the dirt. They bleed. They sweat over that land, you know. I mean, it's their survival. They have no other options, you know, and... It's a real sense of community. Like ranchers, I've never like ranchers really help each other. And in spring, everybody brands you help your neighbor, not because you're like looking for a handout or a check. You just that's expected. You know, you you help your neighbors, you you have their back because you know like when you're in a pinch, they're gonna help you. And I think that sense of community within that that world is so it gives a, people in such a hard lifestyle a sense of security, knowing that you have a little backup. You know, and I think they get a bad rap, you know, from time to time. I and I and, and I don't think it's 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 like a malicious thing. I think people just don't understand it. And I think if you've ever ingrained yourself into that that culture and the, and just seeing how they treat the land, I think you would really understand. And it's just like educating more than anything for people. But I mean, I've watched these guys, you know cry and bleed over this land like my family and at the bo- at the end of the day they're feeding people you know it's like feeding people to survive and <clears throat> I, I a tremendous respect for those people you know and the farmers and because at the end of the day you know the commodity market's kind of it's kind of in the shitter you know and it's like people are really trying to survive and you know what would you do to survive you yeah. you know like you're not going to, you know, like I think they get a bad rap in a way of people think that they're just out there to let their animals overgraze. And, but I was like, at the end of the day, man, like if your animals aren't doing good and fat and happy, 
If your animals aren't happy, you're not going to do good. Yeah. Your calves are going to come in weighing light. So it's you got to really have your finger on the pulse of what the, the land is doing and what the animals are doing and how they're reacting, like happy animals. And uh, I mean, it never ends with a rancher. There's no like, oh, I get the day off. No, man. Like I watch my brother and he's a very forward thinker, RC. And he just has so many ideas. But what I've watched him, my dad, my grandpa build and my dad add to and my brother just like, it's, he's like, he's like the honing stone, right? He's just put that perfect edge on the ranch. All the fields are beautiful. Like no monocropping, all natural grasses. The cows are happy. Like everything's just in, in flow. And I think when you have that flow, it's a beautiful thing, you know, but it's, it comes at a, a cost, you know, like, and that was one of those things for ranchers, you know, <clears throat> The ranch always comes first. Yeah. Like, it's not like your family, it's not your wife, it's not your kids, it's the ranch. Because you have all those mouths to feed you. It's your responsibility for all those animals to not suffer and do well. So if there's ever train wrecks, like, you you have, like, it could be your your anniversary, man. You could be at dinner and there's a, a shit show going on at the ranch. Like, I know what my brother's going to pick. Like, he has to. That's his responsibility. But, um... It, it it breaks my heart to to see the the commodity market and and a lot of these guys starving just because you know there's people lining their pockets and you know the guys that hold the cow that's whole life get paid a minuscule amount of the guys that are you know butchering them the processing plants like it's a, it's a crazy unfair imbalance and yeah it has to change you know it's like the food system is so broke yeah and it's, it seems like that like you you spend this time i've talked to other ranchers too and kind of pick this up and it's, it's like my version of what i'm hearing is like you you develop this empathy and this compassion for the animals and the land and this connected but then the other side there's there's another side of the coin where you have to make money that they are literally your cash cows but you have this empathy for their situation and the land that they need and the land that you need and you have this value system, but at the other side, there's this, you know, devil on your shoulder saying, you have to make money. We this do. is the way. You do. You have to live. You do. And I think, you know, if you can incentivize people to uh, do this regenerative ranching and practices, and it, it would be lucrative. I mean, we're, we're talking like changing changing the system, essentially. And there's people doing it. But, I mean, if, if you're a rancher and you're selling commodity right now, your cows are worth nothing. Yeah. So it's like, you know, kind of like sourcing regionally, delivering locally is like the template. My brother has this crazy, you know, he has so many ideas and he's really like working on this. You know, he, he loses sleep over this at night because, you know, our business is, you know, we sell direct to the customer. We do a little wholesale and, and the business is good, you know, but it, it's not all about us. It's like, you know, we'll be okay, but I want to like see my neighbors do well. I want to see the whole community. Like, how do you change everything? Like you need to see everybody that's going out there and losing sleep and stressing over finances and losing their ass and still having to work seven days a week. Yeah. Like you, you have to like, there, there has to be a point where those guys are being rewarded and like being able to just survive. It's not like they're asking for a lot. You know, yeah. there's a gap there. And I think you're probably your brother and you generationally are probably in a position where over the, over your grandfather's life and your dad's life, things change so rapidly. Our food systems change the way we're like ranchers related to the food system, how what yeah. their place changed so rapidly. Now there is, and we've talked about this on the show last week with Diana Rupp and Rob Wolf and in other, 
other shows where we talk about impossible burgers and what they want to do with the landscape. We've told, we've kind of covered all of that, but here we are like, you're an actual rancher. You're not some intellectual dude living in Boston or, or some, you know, theorist at NYU or you don't work at, you know, in Hong Kong for impossible burger. Like you're on the land, you see the shit, you know, what's going on. And so there has to be generationally for you that I feel like it's a huge opportunity because things are changing. Things can change. Things will change. There's new ideas. Yeah. It's a it's a huge opportunity. And, it, and it's like, I think <clears throat> our generation and these people informed, I mean, it's our responsibility. Yeah. I truly think that. And um, I think uh, the food system is so broken. I think everybody should be able to eat healthy. I don't think it should be like this thing of, of class. And it's expensive to eat healthy, you know. And there's all this dog shit at the bottom of the the. the the shelf that, you know, if you don't make enough money, like that's what you're eating. And that there's so many underlying problems there. And I think it's like, it has to be simple though, you know, yeah. and, it, and it is as simple, but uh, you know, it's like always easier said than done. Well, it's like, we, and we've read this in our conversation <clears throat> about this kind of stuff. There's these large scale solutions. That's what Impossible Burger, plant-based meats are like, hey, we're going to wipe out animal agriculture altogether through this, through technology, through progression through taking away basically taking a system that isn't working and instead of improving upon it making it more local as you suggest and other folks that have backed regenerative agriculture suggest we're going to erase it from being we're going to replace it with what essentially is a monoculture would have to be some sort Uh, of monoculture and like what happens to the natural lands you know like that there's 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 existential cost at all that and I think, you know, we aren't God and, and we can't just make these decisions. You know, it's like really digging in and seeing how nature uh, provides and nature, the system works. And I think that's what you really have to start looking at. All Like the whole book is there. We just got to read it. And I think people are, you know, are, are beginning to be more open to that and like asking about where your food's coming from and, and being more open to like cattle maybe aren't so bad on the land, you know, like this nutrient cycling and sequestering carbon and all these things that like everybody's been fighting over, but it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's a divisional thing, but it's like, we all want the same thing at the end of the day. Like we want earth to survive and thrive. We want our race to survive and thrive and, you know, don't overthink it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it works, you know, so yeah. listen to her, you know, and that's always been something that I've, I've, you know, finger on the pulse of, of the earth and, and whatever I may doing, I'm, I listen to it. I listen to like what's going on around me. I'm not trying to force it or like project anything onto it. And I think that is so important, man. Yeah. Are you ever like, you ever scared for the community that you came from? Like fear for, for their future? All the time, man. I see it. You, you see people like it's hard times, man. And, and not saying it's just the ranching community. I think everybody's having hard times right now. And, you know, if you see your neighbor like struggling, like help him, you know, like it's been such a weird thing with, you know, and the masks and not seeing people's smiles and just seeing people's terrified eyes. Like that's something I really realized. And like, man, that's not, that's not normal for humans. Like we need that, we need that love and compassion and and, and embracement. And I I think it's just, you know, it's like maybe a little hippy dippy, but you just got to like spread love, you know, and like give people that because that's, that's what truly needs to be done right now, you know? Yeah. And it's good to see that you, that you guys are thinking of solutions and, you know, like what 
Carter Country Meats. We need to explain kind of what that is, and and then talk about is it is that scalable? Is that a part of a solution for your community, the you know, ranching community? I, I believe that it's you know we what we're creating Carter Country Meats is you know we have a we have an amazing you know I'm in the Bighorn Basin. There's twenty thousand head of cattle. I'm not saying my cows are any better than my neighbors. Like they all eat the same thing, you know, and we we provide a great product this beef you know we've we we're just selling direct to consumer now which i mean obviously it was a perfect time to launch our online store during this pandemic we literally like like we've been going wholesale for like six years and then we you know we had a really good team together now and we were able to go online direct and it was a perfect time yeah but the whole idea behind this is creating a template that we can place in other communities, other ranching communities. And, and it basically is just like giving the rancher, selling direct to consumer, giving the rancher a premium for his product, guaranteed, like buying our neighbor's cows, processing them locally, and then giving them to the people. And I think if we could take that, you know, so we didn't have to worry about commodity and he could just like, oh, well, I know I'm getting this next year. Not like wondering if he's going to get paid. You know, it's like really, and my brother's like the the wizard behind all of this, and he could go way more in depth than I can. But the, the overall gist is just like creating a template that's going to work, not just intensely, but it's going to work yeah. everywhere. You know, and I mean, it, it's it's a lot of work in progress, but we have great companies we work with. Um, Yeti's been huge for us. You know, we we did a, a collaboration with them, shipping in their coolers, and I can't I can't speak highly enough of how they've really stepped up and supported us and and backed us, and I mean, opened more doors for me in in my career than I, I can even explain just across the board. And I think it's bridging that gap and like yeah. not you know not telling somebody what to do, but just like showing them maybe how I do it and like what works. Cause you're not going to like yell at somebody and convince them to do something. You know, it's like show them. Well, it's like, the, you know, the ranch community, it's, it's, it's a service community. They're servicing the food system, right? They're creating this food and they're, they're yes. thinking I'm going to get value for this product I'm creating. They're not yeah. market. I've never met a rancher. Like I'm great at marketing. No, not, they don't have time. They don't have time. They don't have time, man. So, yeah. I, so your well, it's brother. Been a, it's been a perfect storm with my brother and myself because he always stayed on the ranch, created an amazing family with his wife, Andrea, and his three little boys. And he stayed there and it has just been there grinding since I've been off, you know, traveling, gallivant <laughs> the world. Yeah. <laughs> Rich people stuff. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Kind of. But. We'll get into some of that. I get, you know, I've been able to really bridge the gap with um, his knowledge of an authentic rancher, my knowledge of growing up on a ranch and understanding, but then also bringing like my world of of uh, insanely good marketing in the snowboarding industry and action sports and like putting these two worlds together. And like, that's why, like, I look at my team that, or our team that we've built for Carter Country Meats and it's like Sean Black. Well, he was my ex-team manager at Arbor, who was an amazing marketing, like he built Arbor up like over the past five years and super successful. Tina Goff, who's behind the scenes, she worked at Arbor. She's all of our like numbers and like crunching and like distribution. Uh, Nate Singer, who we met through another one of my sponsors, who's our our butcher, who's consulted us on everything that we do beef-wise, like super talented from Wyoming, met him in Denver. Asher Coles, who's like, He's Sean, they have a marketing agency, Black Holes, and, and it, it's like he's a photographer, videographer, editor. and he, they, So, like, bringing those worlds together has just, like, this perfect storm of, like, marketing, and, and it looks clean. And, yeah. and it's just, like, we complement each other well. No, it's good. I mean, I was just pulling up your website 
Your brother says on here, our goal is to create a new food model that incorporates our regenerative land and ranching practices with sustainable delivery options to deliver the highest quality beef directly to your doorstep. Yeah. It's and pretty it, badass. And, and, and the thing is, it's expensive. You know, it's like expensive to do this. Ex- like people need, need to understand that it's expensive to create food. And like the meat is expensive. I'm not going to lie. Like it's expensive. And that's the problem. So it's like, how do we lower those costs, but yet still be able to survive? Yeah. You know, and I think that's the model, right? Yeah. And um, it yeah. goes against what we've, you know, in your in your dad's lifetime, my dad's lifetime, what we built with processed food, yeah. and and that, pro the processed food economy was like economy of scale. Yeah. How much how much of this can we create? How quickly can we get it out there? And how many people will eat it? And then it's got to be if 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 they're going to eat it at this scale, it's got to be the cost has to be driven down so more people will buy it. And and here we are. And that goes against a, what you're talking about, which is I have to work hard for this. I have to make, I want to make this quality. And what more, what's more important to be a quality environment than our food system? Like That's I, most important. I could have a, a this chair I could sit in could fall apart while I'm sitting in it and I'd be upset, but I'd just get a new one. But if I'm eating something that is not, like we have not invested into it and put everything we can into it. Listen, it, you, you only have one problem when you're hungry. And, and I mean, that just, that's it. And so- I think, yeah, I don't know what the solutions are, but uh, searching, you know, and having RC on the other end, man, like his his mind, it's always going. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but it's good. It's good. Listen, to come from, like you said, come from a ranching family, come from a ranch community and, and kind of be able to see, see more, to see yeah. more than just 10 sleep, more than just 40,000 acres, to look and see the culture and see how the society's moving, see how you know, our economy is moving and be able to move within it and still make a good business is pretty amazing given yeah. where you are, right? It's been good, man. It's been good, you know, and it's uh, it's rewarding to see, you know. And I mean, feeding people quality food and like, it just feels really good, you know. And we, we do a bunch of like, you know, anytime we can help a, a, a donation to a foundation that we believe in, man, we like get on that, like help people. Like everybody's hungry, yeah, you know, and so... It just boils down to being good, being kind, respectful, you know? I don't know. I mean, it runs through. How many businesses are you involved in? Oh, man. You'll never be able to count them all. I'm involved in a lot of businesses. (laughs) (laughs) You're telling me. like, CBD. There was like CBD. Oh, man. Yeah, approach. Like, so I'm in approach, CBD water. You gave us, you were feeding us some sort of. uh, uh, What was I giving you? Like a gel thing out of a pack. Hana One, they Hana make this one. amazing like uh, botanical supplement. Hana yeah. One is amazing, and they they source all their and they source all their ingredients from like India and Bhutan. My friend Joel is like he's an amazing. I mean, it's really good product. And I've just like curated my sponsors through things I can really talk about, and it's not for the paycheck. It's like, what do I believe in? You know, like because I think it reflects in like my priorities and things that that I want in my life. And I'm like, heck man, I want a bacon sponsor. How do I do that? You got one. Don't I you? got one, man. Tender belly. <laughs> I was like, I met these guys. Well, I met these some sponsor. I was like, man, they make the best. So like tender belly, I'm not involved, but like th- those guys, you know, the North face has been with me since I've been on the North face global team for, oh man, t- uh, 12 years ish. Yeah. Um, Arbor snowboards, um, involved in another company, uh, protect, and it's this amazing um, sunscreen 
company yeah. that's 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 coming out yeah. yeah so mark healy's yeah. involved in that and so like he, those guys kind of brought me in i'm really excited about that good dudes um i mean there's just kind of a big list dude like I, I, how do you do all this shit uh, how yeah do you do all this Traeger, what do you do how do you do it what are you doing I don't know, should you man. slow down a little bit maybe no you know what's I'm really about what you. i'm what i'm good at <laughs> is saying no and i'll just check out and why see are it. you here how did you come hang out with us one of the you one got of a lot the, of stuff going on <laughs> you know one of the excuses of being like a rancher it's like the greatest thing with all the, like everybody trying to get a hold of me. I'm like, man, I'm just I'm busy, man. I'm ranching, <laughs> and so like everybody, they're not pissed. They know I'm uh, like playing Xbox or something. And even if I'm not ranching, I'll just be like, yeah, I'm busy, man. I'm like I don't trail with cows or something. <laughs> like, like, they're like, okay, yeah, we understand, Carter. You must just like get up before every morning and just work so hard. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, I do. I'm like, man, yep, this yep. Is my, I'm in my stretch stretchy pants. It's like ten o'clock. I just had to go shoot my bow a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know, dude. It's like, I think it's important to to make the calls in what I do. Yeah. And I think I've been really good at, you know, I've gotten better at it and saying no and just understanding my capabilities and my bandwidth. So I'm not like just, just killing my battery. I have to recharge. And like for me, isolation and nature is so important in me recharging my battery. And I've always been like a kid like that. I'm like, uh, you know, Introvert, but extrovert. I think it's called amnivert or something. I just heard something. Well, I don't know. Let's, let's, let's go call with it. it. I'm gonna make that up right now. Let's go with it. Uh, but it's I. I really love Joe, being around. Joe, you Google that, please. <laughs> I really love being around people. Party on it. <laughs> but I, I, man, I need my like solitude and yeah. and just being out there. I'll go walk around the the desert all day by myself and yeah. rip my dirt bike out you there. Were right. Was Ambivert. Right? I might have got that from my brother too. He's pretty smart. We too. were learning lots of words and shit. I was like crepuscular. Ooh, carpuscular. Like, I, I like to make things up this from time to time as well. As long as you say it with confidence, like people are like, oh, Ambipuscular. You're like, what are you going to... Sounds great. Are you going to... You know, it's I all confidence. It. Said it. It's all confidence. Yeah, but, yeah man, but I think like... Call it the Guthrie. Oh, boy. We, if yeah, I, I can't Guthrie. really... No, we can't. I wish I could have Guthrie on. Um, yeah. So, like, I, I just want to say this to you. And I think like <laughs> part of why I want people to get to know you... Before I got to actually know you the last couple of days, because I knew kind of from so many people that knew you and so many people that that spoke about your energy and like what you bring to the table, and then you start to see you start to see and hear and feel your energy and passion for stuff, and then you take it a step further. You're like all the relationships you have with all these really important, uh, really influential people across the board, man, and you've turned that equation into a life all these all these absolutely incredible people <laughs> are fucking sucking up your energy and doing cool stuff you're doing it together you're doing it you know you have stories of of sailing the world with ian walsh right like travis rice travis, travis rice but ian yeah ian too ian's a good homie yeah yeah you got good justin timberlake's a homie yeah oh jt jt Hell yeah. is a homie Hell we yeah. gotta get him shooting a bow shout yeah. out um he's probably listening <laughs> shout, out. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to jt but like, that's one thing i was picking up as you're telling all these stories it's not you're not name dropping it's just your life you've taken your energy the way you do things and and, and impacted you know countless people that are are themselves quite impactful I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to take credit for any of those guys. <laughs> well, I wouldn't expect you to. Like, but. I'm like, wow, man. I, like, uh, I but have something's an, happening. You, I have like, an extraordinary, extraordinary group of people, um, names and unnamed, you know. And I'm, I'm very fortunate to 
to surround myself with. And I, and, you know, it's a choice, you know, I, like I don't have time for, for bullshit. I don't have time for people that are going to drain me and suck my energy. Um, I really want about be around people that care and, and I, cause I'm a loving person, man. I like, I really like, if you're my friend, I want to give my all, like I'll do anything for you. Like I'm a, I'm yes, yes, sir. Yes. Let's do this until it's no, <laughs> you know, I'm hiding intensely branching, but, <laughs> um, I think it's really important who you surround yourself with. And if you surround yourself with negativity, then, you know, that's what you're going to project. And I think I really try to be around positive people. And I mean, not that it's all the time and I try to uplift people as well, but man, negativity is just a cancer. Like that shit kills me yeah. when people are just negative. I'm like, man, this is beautiful. Like you're breathing. We're outside. Like y y your priorities are all off, man. Because like, Live in the present and enjoy what we have. This is an amazing ride. Yeah. And it could be just like gone so quick, man. And I've seen it. Like people just gone. And there's no rhyme or reason. You're just gone, dude. So like get busy living. Yeah. You know? I, I don't know. Dude, I, I would tell you, and that's it's a common thread of people that we've had on here that are successful. Not only successful in the way that like what they do, but how they live and how they move through the world and how they yeah. constructed their life, right? Yeah. And we, we had Matt Best on and Omar Avila. I know you kind of know of those guys. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know what, they, guys, what they're about, awesome. right? And I like, and I was we were talking about this in other episodes. I was I came into that kind of wanting to construct this narrative about the gun culture and social media and get the, these guys to talk about it. And it's, these are issues that we need to talk about, but there's, they're, they're incredibly successful people that have triumphed in ways that you have too. And they said, what you said, like, Hey, positivity, man, like take anything, any challenge and turn it into something that will drive you forward. And culturally we're, we're struggling with that, man. Like as a country. We're struggling with that. Well, yeah, idea. I agree. I think, you know, the earlier you can learn how to take a beating, the better, because that's life. Dude. Like, it's the most unpredictable thing and cruel thing, but it's how you respond to it. Well, yeah, respond and how you come out of a situation. It's not like, you know, you can be in these like really horrible situations. You're like, oh, life, I'm, this is like, ah, this is so bad, but... Don't let that affect you on the outcome, you know? Like, you, that's your choice. Like, you can control that. You can control your emotions. Um, and, and it's just being conscious of that. And, like, really self-reflection is a huge thing for me. And, like, looking at yourself and being like, well, what, what am I doing? Like, listening. I, and, and that just comes back to being open. Like, I don't know. I don't think it's good to read comments because <laughs> it's so much negativity projected. I'm just like – I don't have – like, I'm not going to let that live in my head. Like, I don't have time for that, you know? And I think – just kill people with kindness, yeah. you know? It's just like it de-escalates. De like people don't even – like it's so easy to react on anger. I just want to like, yeah, I just get pissed and yell back. But if you're just like, hey, man, like you need a hug or something. <laughs> and especially oh, if like man. you're just, some rancher, you're like all gnarly. Like my brother will be like, hey, man, you need a hug. And you would not expect that. But like you watch it, just people are like, oh, maybe yeah, I should man. be nicer. Well, that's weird. We're just in bear camp, and you can't like it's it's the time that we're in. You can't help but talk about. There's a lot of times where, you know, I know you didn't post Black Square. I post the Black Square, but the the point is kind of there's times when there's news. There's always bad news, right? There's always things that kind of are out there that you can pick up on. You can they can be part of your life's narrative, or they can just be like out happening in the ether. 
But now I just feel like there's so much going on. There's so yeah. much intensity around these yeah. neg- this negativity that we're talking about it in Bear Camp. We're hanging around yeah. in the most beautiful meadow in the world talking about this stuff yeah. because one, it's important and relevant, but it's it's also an interesting thing to try to solve in your own personal life, yeah. but then for people around well, you. We care. We yeah. care about people. We care about what's going on. I, you, you, you care when you see people hurting and re, and you know responding in these ways. And you know, I, social media for me isn't the platform to talk about that. You know, because you know, it, it's just it's godless. You know, social media is so. I don't know. I've just really it, it just. I haven't been into it lately, honestly. <laughs> it's like worse than the news now because yeah. it's like a really a lot of negative, and I think. The more you feed into that negative energy and, 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 and it's easy for me to say living in Wyoming and be able to go walk outside and like put my feet in the dirt and just really see the beauty in this world. But uh, I think that's the disconnection is, is, is people aren't taking their shoes off and, and putting their feet in the dirt. You know, you're standing on cement, you're ungrounded. There's a lot of things that are going on that are feeding this. And people like, I mean, people have a right to be pissed. Like, oh, fuck, man. Like there's some things going on that, but. I always try to put myself in somebody else's shoes and see why why are you why are you reacting this way and and I, I never have an opinion on something that I know nothing about. So for me to even say anything that I know nothing about, I mean that's just disingenuous. So I just try to talk my truth and talk about things that I know because I'm not I'm not from the city. I've been in the city. I know shit about the city, man. Like all I know is like they have pretty good food. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everybody's like. What about all those hipsters in Bozeman? I'm like they have good food, man. And they, to each his own. They're the best. They have food. the best restaurants. Oh man, like, and they, I I love great. I love diversity, man. Like I love diversity. I love seeing all every walk of life. And that's why I love traveling and like airports, like Amsterdam airport, man. Like you just sit there and you see every, everybody on this, in this planet. But there's one common factor is like, we're all walking on two legs, dude. Yeah. We're all like the same tribe here. And it, like the unity thing, I know it's so hard, but like, we, uh, I would love to see more unity yeah. within just like people seeing each other for what we are and not like this division in your tribe and my tribe. It's like. I bet if we were all hungry together, we'd all sit down at a table and we'd all eat and we could all find common ground to talk about something. And I think, you know, breaking bread with someone that has a totally different view of yours, but not like in a way of, I want to change your mind. I want to know your mind. Like, I'm going to give you my mind and, and you give me yours and I, just help me understand. And I think that's over, how you learn, right? Man, that's just how you learn. Don't ever go in with expectations and assumptions, man. Like assumptions are generalizations and assumptions are the most dangerous thing. Yeah. And that, I think that's like the precursor to discrimination. Man, the next step. Yeah. You can't like, you can't generalize, dude, because we're so like multi, I mean, there's so many multifacets to the human race and just everything. It's like, Everybody's different. Everybody has the mind and a soul. And it's just like to to call people one thing and that's what you are and put them in a box. It's like it's ugly, it's man. Dangerous. Well, you and your family, it's like really you, you if, if if there's anybody in the world who could have wanted to be a victim or or grow up angry and frustrated about their situation, it's a third generation rancher in Ten Sleep, Wyoming. Yeah, who's running cattle on forty thousand acres because it's a system that's not – it's breaking down for you. Yeah, you know? and I mean – but I mean honestly, dude, I am – I mean 
I don't want to sound like a victim at all, but because, I mean, I was born into that ranch. I didn't work for that ranch. My dad did. My grandpa did. And I was like that generation where it's just, it was, I wouldn't say given to me. We earned it, but I don't feel like I've even come close to earning that ranch. I mean, we really, nobody earn, owns anything in the world. Like if you really look at it, like stand back, we're all here renting shit. Like we don't own nothing. Like yeah. you can have a big ranch and all this stuff. We're here renting it because yeah. you're temporary, man. Our buddy, our buddy Doug Duran has a t-shirt. It's not ours. It's our turn. Is that right, Joe? It's exactly yep. right, man. That's right. It's exactly yeah, right. And I think says. when people are like, mine, that's mine. I'm like, Phew. for now. <laughs> you know? So you walk it back. But I, I mean, I feel like extremely privileged to even have grown up working as hard as I did. But I mean, I grew up with opportunity, man. Like I had that security of that ranch. No matter how hard it was, maybe it was a burden. Like given, you know, it was like, oh, shit, do I want the ranch? But I wasn't someone that was like, I got nothing else, man. I got the street and I got these shoes. So for me to speak upon that, it's really hard for me because I don't know what that's like. Because I did have a lot, of, a lot of like opportunities through that, and 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 still to this day. But I just recognize them, and I anytime I saw an opportunity, I, I recognized it, and I was like, I'm going to do everything that I can to like make this thing to capitalize on that. that Blue man, yeah. yeah, you know, plant those seeds. What do you think about your brother's kids? I mean, you don't have oh, kids. Oh, man, they're good kids. I got to slap them around from time to time. But it's uncle, right. what's, uncle, uh, what's Uncle Mark like? Dude, I'm cool. I know it. So, like, I'm like the dude that rolls up and sits at the kids' table. Like, I'd rather sit at the kids' table and go <laughs> jump on the trampoline, talk some shit with the kids. Like, yeah. that's that's my jam, you know? <laughs> like, all the uncles, you know, I'm, I'm still, like, single and I don't have a – I've kind of devoted my life to snowboarding at this point, and it's, uh, it's easier that way. And maybe I'm, um, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of selfish too, in a way. I'm, I'm honest with that. That's all right. Uh, but I, I love being an uncle and I love my, my sister's kids, both of my sister's kids. Um, and it's really cool to like go out and work with the kids. Cause I grew up working next to my family, you know, and that's a, that's a very special thing when you can bleed and just get dipped in shit with your family, you know, work hard and understand what it takes. She builds like this bond that you just, unbreakable. And um, to do that with my nephews and stuff now is so rad. Like uh, I take my uh, my sister's kids, Carter and Kendrick, and I'll and, and Elizabeth, her, her daughter, and I'll take them down. Like when my dad is like loading a bunch of his crazy cows and Brandon and stuff, and they're just with me, and they're like old enough now. Carter's Liz, Liz is like seventeen, Carter's fifteen, Ken's is like thirteen, but they're hands because they grew up around cattle. They understand how livestock move and work and. And I'm just like standing in the cradle, like sorting all these cows and we're working. I was like, this is awesome, man. Like, this is what it feels like to have kids, I guess. Like kids that you like <laughs> taught something, yeah. you know, they worked hard because they're just, it, it's really, it's, it's really re rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. And then they think I'm pretty cool. <laughs> at least I think they do. Maybe I'm just like. I think you're pretty like, <laughs> you're like Look at this guy. Look, look, and then, look at this selfie but, I took. But beyond that, like I've really, I've really tried to open their minds to like the rest of the of the world because Tent Sleep is an amazing spot. Don't get me wrong, but it's like it's like anywhere you grow up. It's like it's one place. Yeah. You know, I'm like man, like think outside the box. I've traveled the world, and I and I'll bring them to like the my movie premieres or whatever to just see them experience this other side because it's 180 degrees of difference, and to just like maybe spark something in them to make them like feel what I felt 
and just be like, man, really, if you put your mind to something, like you can, you can kind of do anything. The mind and perseverance and sacrifice and just hard work, that's a powerful thing and not giving up. But that's what the ranch taught me. It was just, you can't, like, you can't give up. Like, where's the solution? Yeah. My brother always says, it. he's like, I'm not looking, I'm looking for solutions here. <laughs> he was like, yeah. all right, man, like, what's the solution? Okay, this is it. Let's, let's move forward. That didn't work. Well, we're going to do this. And then it just helps you think outside of the box. And I don't know, it just, I guess easier said than done. You know, <laughs> what like you know those those kids, they're they're around. So what's their generation going to go through? Like what? Oh man, what are they going to have to deal with? Oh man, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. You know, because we do live, and I don't want to bring all the negativity on this on this time we live in because we live in the best time. To, I mean, they say we live in the best time to be alive economically. Um, like there's, you're not looking over your shoulder. Like most people aren't looking over their shoulder, like wondering if the boogeyman's going to come get them, mm-hmm. you know, and you can push a button and get anything you can order Amazon. I think it would be simpler to just be a hunter gatherer, but I see all these outside things that I can understand within the younger generation of like social media and having all of that stress of the information overload. To like navigate that, like as a 14 year old kid, like, dude, I remember it was hard enough to navigate when I was at that age or even, you know, whatever age, teenagers, young kids, but now they have all this information overload and load. And I think 85% of it is negative. So how do you stay positive? If you aren't just going outside and being present in nature and like turning all that off, and you're not getting a dose of that, man. And and the majority of people are just looking at their iPhones and computers and like that's where everything is. Like everything is so easy. But it's not easy, man. There's a price to all that shit. I, I don't know, dude. That's like I wouldn't want to be a kid. Yeah. You know, and that's why I, I like struggle. Like I would love to have kids, you know. I got to have a wife first. But, <laughs> you know, I would love – I mean it's a beautiful thing. It's yeah. like the best thing that a person can do. That's what my dad always says. The best thing a person can do is like – you have children, you watch them, you watch them grow and learn. But like right now, man, I want to see how it kind of plays out. <laughs> give it five years. <laughs> give me, uh, you know, like, give me, give me a little time here. I don't well, know. Dude. Man, there is a, I, I like you say that there's a price to pay because we don't think of it that way. We don't think of like all the progress and technology. We think of it as only progress. We think of it as only something that's moving us forward. That's making things easier, but they're, that it has a price. It has an exit, mostly an existential price, but a physical price. I mean, people are in blue, blue glass, uh, blue light glasses because they're looking at screens too much. That's the like a, a physical price to pay, but but the existential mental price that you pay from like immersing yourself in a world that isn't real is is immense, man. It's got to be immense. There's there's a give and take, man. Like there there's a balance with everything, and. I just see it really not balanced right now, you know? <laughs> like in certain places yeah. there it is balanced and you see those people happy. You know, I think I think less is more, you know? Like I think if you if you feed into the 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 monster, the machine, it just want it's it just wants to consume you. Yeah. It wants you to consume all of everything it's spewing out and just eat it up and and buy and you need something new and like oh, this thing's kind of getting old, throw it out. It's like we were talking about our old people, man, like elderly like we live in a society where we like, they just like let them, just like put them in a nursing home, man. I'm like, whoa, 
That's crazy to me. These are the, the wisest. This is wisdom. They're so like lived life experience. Like those people should be living side by side, these kids and teaching them, teaching us, you know? And so like we talked about our kids growing up and if we're not leading by example and we're putting our parents in a home, like what are they seeing? They're seeing that that's okay. So why would they respect you? You know, and I think there's a huge respect division right now. And I think it has a lot of not like it's actions, man, like actions, like what we're doing, you know, and um, I, I have a huge respect for communities that like there are communities that like take care of their family, live together. Like grandma lives with the the kids, man. Like that's so cool. Yeah. I think that's so needed. That's what we need. We need sense of community and purpose. Yeah. I feel strong about that too. I was telling you, you yeah. guys at breakfast today. Shout out to Faze Cafe and Livingston. Ooh, that way. place. Woo. Blowing it up. Awesome. She did some stuff. That was great. It was like a tongue talk, puncher. Yeah. Talk about somebody who just, just it does her. She just does her. I never met her before. She's like, I just kind of like cook oh, my feel. I'm just like, I just throw some shit on a plate. <laughs> dude, I love her special. Her special was awesome. It was like phase choice. She's like phase choice. Well, what is that? Whatever I want. And I was like, I love that you were just like, I want phase choice. Just give me that. <laughs> I said, I want you to have a good time, Faye. Like, <laughs> She's having a good time. Yeah, a good like, time I was here. impressed. I was impressed. I was eat, thinking about that waffle I was eating, and now I'm, uh, I totally good. lost my Bacon track. And waffles and Benedict and stuff. Yeah. I, well, I told my dad. My dad's retiring. I was like, man, you know, I think what I want, and I want, I want to be very clear, is for you to spend all your money, live in the way you want to live, in the way that you've earned to live, however many years you have left, time being, you know, the, the big factor for everybody. Yeah. And then come stay with me. Just come on and then come stay with me. But but only when you're done doing – and if you, if you want to come live with me and that's what you want out of the next 20 years of your life, and that is also something that I want. Yeah. Because it's just like a – and it's also just you got to pay it back, man. man. How much – and that's one thing I, I think about when we talk about the culture. Like I feel enfranchised. I feel like I owe a debt to – not only my family, but my country and the people around me, my community, the hunting community. I owe a debt to the hunting community for what the people in it have done for me. So I feel indebted, and that's why I got to work for that. You know, so there's there's part of that. I I would hate to have to meet someone that doesn't feel that, that doesn't feel that is disenfranchised, that doesn't feel a debt, that feels like they've been screwed over yeah. and left behind. You know, that that's that's real. I agree. It happens all the time, man. Yeah. I, I, it's it, you put yourself in their shoes and understand that, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I mean, and, and and part of it is to see for me to see. I don't have anything to pass. I'm like I'm building something to pass down to my kids, you know. And I don't, but to see a ranch that'll just is like kind of like the beating heart of like your people, man. That's cool. Beautiful place, man. I love it. I gotta come down. I gotta come, come some on car down. country come meats. On, come on down. We don't get much company. <laughs> down to Tinsley. Town of two sixty. I've never been to Jackson either. I gotta get down there. Jackson's cool. You'll there's it's a lot place. of people in Jackson. We'll yeah. take you snowboarding. <laughs> I've done that one like once or twice. It ain't gonna be pretty. <laughs> but I'll do anything. You think you're sore now? <laughs> I do. I, do have like, I try, got a hip flexor going on. Well, it's always great to like teach people to snowboard too. It's like I'm not like a teacher. I'm pretty patient. I've, I've, I know like one thing, like the best thing to do, like if like a boyfriend wants to teach a, a girlfriend how to snowboard, I'm like, listen, dude, get her a lesson 
and do not teach her because you're just going to get pissed. <laughs> just walk like, away. G- give her, g- get her a lesson, get her like up or give somebody a lesson. But I actually took Dudley, John Dudley, snowboarding. We had a great time. But that guy is crazy talented. Well, he's an athlete. Dude, he's like this monster. He's yeah. a huge, he's like, you know, and the it was so funny. It was like Stumpf and 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 Trevor and, and Dudley, we went up to Brighton because it was this like Traeger event and Dudley's like, man, I, I want to snowboard. I was like, well, all right, we'll set you up. So I got I got him like this huge board from Gooch or uh, it was like a Gooch Pro model from Arbor. I was like, what's your biggest board? And so we got this board and the first run, it was so funny because he'd set up a stance and it was super, it was super <laughs> narrow. <laughs> like, and yeah. I was like, oh boy. I was like, your stance is way too narrow. And he, he really is like, oh, my legs are so tired. Like this is, this isn't good. And I was like, man, let's just widen your stance. And by like a couple runs, man, we were, he was, I was like kind of blown away. But then he, you know, obviously kind of gave me the archery, taught me the archery, yeah. gave, built me a bow. And like that guy, I can't, I can't thank him enough for, no, for man. what he's done and what he just does for people, man. Like he's such a giving He's person. built a whole thing, man. He's like, he's, just, well, he's such a boss, what, dude. He just builds custom bows for other people he's and like, sends hey, them man, around. You want a bow? I was like, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I hate to <laughs> yeah. ask for anything, but yeah, really yeah, like to I get into them. that. You know, oh, like, like we were talking about in camp that he's a guy where there's such a void in the archery space. There's such, you know, Joe's worked as a bow tech. There's a, there's a void of, I want to get into archery and guys like you and me and everybody that wants to promote it is saying like, go do it. And then somebody goes to their local, the, like not, I'm not knocking local bow shops or pro shops, but the, but it's hard. It's hard to get someone to, to, to take the time with you that it takes. I mean, it takes a lot of time really teach you what you Dude, need to it, know to learn the craft. It is intimidating. Yeah. To go in, like, it's it's like a humbling experience, like learning something new. And that's why I really love it. But you go into, like, I can imagine you go in there, you're like, I'm the kook. Yeah. I'm the kook guy. Hey, guys. Out in the lineup, like trying to surf, shit. like what's a yeah, what's a flushing? These is that cool? If I have water wings on, man, is this cool? Is this? And they're like, don't do that. What's the lineup? <laughs> what? Oh, it's my wave, right? Smack. Uh, but yeah, man, it's like. Uh, but you think about surfing and golf and things like that. If you're bad at golf, the thing you might the 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 thing that you might do is you know hit somebody with a ball, you know hit the guy in a golf cart with a ball or something or. Hit, Hit a ball on somebody else's, drunk. yeah, or get too drunk and just pass out. <laughs> by the by, I feel like I have some ideas for golf to make it way cooler. Mm. I will get into that. Exploding balls, something like that. <laughs> Target shooting while you're going. Oh, that'd be the, cool. You know, on the green. Um, but that those things have no like they have consequences. The only consequences are more of like a personal thing. Like oh. in archery. The consequences of not being – I felt these consequences all the time, even as somebody's hunted my whole life. I feel them all the time. Like, you didn't prepare for that. You fucked up. Yeah. Oh, man, you suck. And uh, now that animal is uh, limping around. It's the worst feeling in the world because you do know it's your fault. Like, you could have done more. And like, archery is like that. Yeah, man. I think you apply yourself. It's like the respect for the animals you're hunting and, like, putting – like being proficient with that bow, yeah. you know? And I think that just comes with like practice and, you know, right. discipline and like shooting a lot, getting like, and don't, not taking something, like don't do something you know you can't do. Like yeah. there's no guessing. Like maybe, maybe I got him. He's 120 yards. Yeah. Hell, I just. Which pin? <laughs> I think I got him. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Humdinger. That, and that's, 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 that's the thing that Dudley has that, like he has the part of him that is a service to everyone is that like, Hey, there is a process here. There is a way. There is, this is a craft and you can't just, no, you can't just want to do it. You have to put 
put yourself into it. And yeah, it, uh, apply yourself, man. You know, and to. his school of knock online is is so rad. Yep. Like that helped me. I was, I was like, I, I don't watch YouTube, but I like watched all the, you know, it's like did, but the, there's did the whole so thing. so many little, little things with, I mean, you got to learn energy yeah. and, <laughs> and the, the, how energy is applied and, you know, like how things move through air, you know, like the, all the things you kind of have to learn to understand the yeah. scope of it. So yeah. that's what makes it cool. And then on the other end of it, if you're really good, you can get some meat, but you're like... It ain't gonna be easy. It's a pursuit. And don't have any expectations. Do not, do not. Yeah. But I, I think you know, we've talked about kind of we've swept through like all the badass shit. But we got to talk about the, the one. Like it's not probably not the one thing in your life that completely sucked. But it's a thing that I think uh, I'm, I'm glad we can talk about it because not yeah. a lot of people can talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it was a defining moment, man. Like it was a defining moment you know like <clears throat> yeah a lot of people don't know you know i have i have, I have three felonies you know yeah, hanging out with a felon i'm a felon man i'm a felon i got uh we got crossways you know it was uh it was a cr- it was a crazy crazy time of my life you know uh got crossways with the federal government and they they spanked us pretty hard you know it was a uh, yeah i mean a little backstory was you know growing up hunting my whole life you know um that was that was my passion, like my whole family's passion, my grandpa, like everybody. This was, you know, and really like growing up, respecting the animals and understanding how the the whole system works, and being being a poor rancher, you know. Yeah. And then so when I was about twenty years old, and we were great elk hunters, you know, I shot my my first elk when I was twelve years old, and it was a proud moment, and just hunted all the way through high school, loved hunting, guns, everything was that was my that was my passion, man, that was my life. And then I started pursuing the snowboarding thing, still ranching, doing some other things. And, and my brother, he, he'd graduated college. So he came back to the ranch. And I mean, the ranch, like, dude, you ain't making any money. Like, he was poor. And so we had an opportunity. He's like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an outfitter. Like, we're good at hunting. Like, let's, let's do some outfitting on the ranch. And like the elk, we had amazing elk hunting. Like, let's do this. And so obviously, I was like, man, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Like, I can make a little cash in, in, the, in the fall. And so we started out, you know, he was the outfitter and I got my guides license and, and, uh, the first couple of years, you know, it was pretty tough. Like it, cause it's a draw, yeah. you know? And so we'd have a couple hunters and like, it was like, I, it just wasn't what, you know, it needed to be more. Well then, you know, obviously he, he met this, the, these guys from Oregon and they were like, well, Hey guy, like, we'll, we'll can we buy your landowner tags? Like we'll pay you and then we'll just come out and we'll, we'll do the hunt. And like, they're going to pay him. It wasn't crazy. I don't even know how much money it was, but I was getting like a cup of grand fall cash to go work for like, you know, a month guiding. And they'd have a few guys come out. And, and it, so the deal was if they didn't draw, they could use one of our landowner tags. Cause since we had all that, that land. And if it, nobody knows about landowner tags, say, it's yeah, like should... in Wyoming that you cannot sell your landowner tags. And, and we knew that. You know, but like growing up in a small community, like we grew up in, it wasn't like, I'm not going to say it wasn't done. It wasn't done. You know, like people sub, uh, subsidize their ranch and certain things like during those times to maybe sell their landowner tags. So, but we had become an outfitter and we were like, well, let's try to do it almost by the book. So we'll, we'll do these hunts and we'll website and we'll do a few landowner tags. 
So that's what we did. We were, we, you know, I think, you know, over. Because it was your brother. Yeah, it was my brother and myself. Well, my dad wasn't even involved. My dad was like, it was his ranch. But so my dad, you know, he'd come up to hunt camp, dick around. He he didn't know what was going on. My brother was like the outfitter. He dealt with it. I was the guide. I did a lot of cooking. RC did most of the guiding as well. So we had this kind of like this idea that like the landowner tags, it was like kind of a misdemeanor. And like. I'm not going to say I never broke the law. I, we weren't super concerned about it, just in the environment we were in. You had a comparison to it, like uh, having a couple beers on the way home from work? Is that how you felt, felt yeah, about yeah, it? Or yeah, was it, it, wasn't like, like a, it wasn't like a huge deal. Like it wasn't something that was really on my mind. But I knew I was breaking the law. But like in that environment, like it, that's it. we, we kind of – I wouldn't say lived in a lawless land, but I mean – my, growing up, my deputy, the deputy sheriff was our football coach. So we were, a, we got, had a lot of reins, man. Like it wasn't like this super regulated area where they're like, you're breaking the law, you're going to jail. There was like, man, I, you know, I did my share of drinking and getting in trouble as a kid, but there was a lot of just like understanding that these ranch kids are kind of wild and like, let's just let him go, you know, like kind of good old boy, let him do his thing. Not that that's any excuse for what we did, right. but that's how we got in the... the yeah, we should make it clear that nobody's asking for excuses. It's just like, what's your mindset? Well, that's that was a mindset. Part. It wasn't it's a big like, deal. Yeah. So this wasn't a big deal in my mind, but I did know it was against the law. Yeah. How much against the law, that was something I did not know. So we go through, you know, we were probably a guide. You know, we guided these dudes for like four or five years, and then they had some friends come out, and, and you know, if they couldn't make the hunt... and and. Granted, some of these guys were drawing tags. It wasn't just all landowner stuff. I think over the course of eight years, maybe I don't know how the numbers, but it was it was less than eight tags got used. I think, um, and so in like 2010, you know, my, I'm at the top of my my career. I'm traveling the world. I'm, I'm I'm riding. I'm like I'm like. But there was this weird thing in my life. I was like. I wasn't, I was happy, but I was like a little unfulfilled and I was really burnt out on like guiding hunters. I was really burnt out on like, that wasn't mine anymore. That yeah. wasn't for me. That was like, oh, hunting season's coming. And now it was for, it was like, oh, I gotta go guide these guys. Like, okay, whatever. Cause they can be kind of, you know, difficult. Yeah. You know, it's a client, it's a client it's a service client. thing. And, and the client service thing, I'm not sometimes. like, a, I'm not a client service guy. So in about 2010, I'll never forget it. It was like in, in June, uh, June 5th, 2010. I mean, yeah, I woke up one morning and there's like six or four federal agents at my, my front door. And I was like, whoa, like, what do we do? And my brother, he was out. Do you have any inkling at all? No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, but I saw a game of fish. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, like, what do we do? Like, we did something. Like, something's really bad. I just had this, like, it was 6 6 a.m. So... My brother said he's out on the tractor at 6 a.m. out like in the field and he sees like four Suburbans, maybe four or five Suburbans coming down the road, bumper to bumper, black, come in. And he has like this ditch in his driveway and he said, these things hit this thing so hard, like they're bouncing, like they jumped. And then all these dudes jump out with, you know, like federal agents, guns drawn, boom, all over his property. And he's way out in the field and he just starts cruising over in his tractor. He's like, what is going on here? So it was like a full-on raid. Like Dude, they it was were, a raid. They, they, had 60, they had 60 agents across the nation. Like uh, uh, they raided every hunter we had ever hunted with. So it was a coordinated like, Yeah, it was a coordinated the effort. Time, they, coordinated they, they had their, you know, they, they had it dialed. So they came in hot um, and they sat down with me and they're like, what do you know about these? You know, start talking to me. I can't remember exactly what the conversation was, but the, the guys that came in were nice to me. Like these dudes were pretty nice, you know, they started asking me questions and. I was like, I, yeah, man, like we have this hunting outfit and he's like showing me pictures. So basically we had a website and these animals that were illegal, 
they were on our website. So that's how much we knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we had the website up. We had the animal, the legal animals. Some of them were on there. And they're like, you know about, about those guys? And I was like, oh, yeah. They were. You know, and I, I was so freaked out. I didn't know what to say. You know, like I kind of admitted to some stuff, but I knew that I, I just kind of played dumb a little bit too. I was like, I don't know. Because I didn't, I, I knew we were fucked. Like it's some capacity here. So they do their thing and they take my cell phone, they take some stuff from me. And then I was like, whoa, that was crazy. I called my brother. I'm like, dude, what is going on? And he's like, and he tells me his story. Dude, these guys come in, they, dude, like he just had two babies in his house and they walk all over and they take all the, and they could do anything they want, right? And they walked over his carpet with muddy boots and took his laptop, took everything, cameras, everything. And I was like, man, I don't know what's going on. Like they told us what's going on. It was illegal hunting. And, but I didn't know how much, what the capacity was. And, they, and then they mentioned felony. And I was like, what do you mean felony, man? Like what's like a felon? Like you're talking about me being a felon. Okay. That's crazy. And uh, so it went on for like a year and I didn't even know whether to get a lawyer or not. I was like, am I in trouble? Did they just continue to contact no, you? And, no, no, it was just... kind of silence, but I knew something was like going bad and like, RC lawyered up. I didn't lawyer up. I didn't really know like if I was in trouble. I didn't know, but they were building a case. And then, and I was like, I had these sponsors, dude. And like, I didn't tell anybody because nobody knew, but I had this in the back of my head, you know, I was, I, I was, I knew something was coming down the pipe. Like I wasn't dumb. Like I'm pretty wise. <laughs> I was like, do you remember the days during that where you like getting up in the morning dude, trying to act sleep, normal? Man, yeah. I didn't sleep. I, I didn't not. sleep. There was two years where I didn't sleep, you know, I was, but I, I, it was a, it was an amazing experience in the way that I just, man, I had no control. Like I had lost all control of my life, but all I could control was my emotion, how I reacted. And so I just kind of like went on living, man. Like it took me a long time to settle into that. So we go for like a year, you know, I'm killing it at life. I think. <laughs> and were then you, were you like, would you, was there guilt there? Do you think, do you think like, are you, you because you know, like I said, you know you did something wrong. There's nobody listen, out there man, that hasn't done listen, something there wrong. Was, I, there was never an animal that was shot without a tag. Yeah. That's all I can say. Everything had a tag. And there was less animals shot because the way we were hunting was like, dude, if you had an opportunity at a mature animal, and if you didn't, you know, if you blew that chance, like there was a lot of guys went home empty-handed. But we did, you know, I think we did get some I mean, beautiful animals. Um, but so that went on and I just like was trying to live my life and, and trying to be normal. I was dating a really amazing person and, you know, it was like, it was a lot of stress, you know, on our relationship or whatever. But well then it was like August the next year <laughs> we get indicted. I get a letter, like they're like indictment. You got to be at the federal court. And this is, this is the deal. All right. I was like, okay. So we, we did this landowner. I know there's some tags. This is a bad deal. Like, I don't, I have no idea what's going to happen. We go into court and they, and they indicted my dad too, which was really, it was, that really hurt because he, he wasn't involved in the hunting operation, you know, but like one night, one day he'd come down, like we'd gotten this beautiful bull and he was there and he would help us pack, pack it out. So I guess he was involved, you know, yeah, I mean, and he got a photo with the animal. Like, you know, he's like, oh, take a photo, you know? So anyways, he's involved. He's an accessory. We go to federal court and they're like, they, they just start reading off. Like we stand up and they just start reading these charges off, man. I, and, and so when it was all said and done, our, my brother and myself were indicted on 11 felonies apiece. 
My dad was indicted on three. I was facing 55 years in prison. RC and I each were facing 55 years in prison and $4.5 million in fines apiece. And I was like, it wasn't even real, man. Like I remember cutting a check. That was when I was like, I should probably get a lawyer before this indictment. Yeah. So I cut a check for twenty thousand dollars. It was like my whole savings to this lawyer. I was like, here you go, man. Like I, I don't know what's gonna happen. He's like, you're, you're, this is not good. You guys are looking. You guys are gonna go to prison. I was like, man, like I'm going to prison for this. Like this is crazy. Not like had no idea that this was a felony. So they indict us on. To be clear, the felony comes in. Lacey Act violation. For, yeah, yeah. So it for was these a, guys taking these illegal animals. Yeah. So back a couple of the hunters, lines. a couple of the hunters had taken animals back across state lines, violating the Lacey Act, and that's where that's where the yep. feds became involved. Because if they had never crossed uh, inter, uh, the state lines, it wouldn't have been a felony. So that's where it got really cloudy. And I was like, holy cow, man! Like we are in trouble. I'm facing 55 years in prison. And so like that was that was the game, man. Like I lived with that. And then, but the thing was, is like once that came out. Then and then it was public knowledge. Then the media got a hold of it, and then they started writing things about it. You know, it was a huge poaching ring, like all these things. And I don't know how you define poaching. Like I, maybe I did. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's the definition: illegal animal taken. Um, I I didn't feel like it was, but I yeah I I did that and. The media butchered us, man. Like, it was like this Casper Star Tribune. They were relentless. Can you pull some of that up, Joe? I mean, it was it was relentless. And I had a bit of a name in snowboarding. So, I mean, they were like, look at this guy. And then some asshole in snowboarding, like, leased it in the snowboarding media. And then it just blew up. And so, I get a call from, like, one of my huge sponsors. They're like, yo, dude, what is going on? I was like... I don't know, man. <laughs> like, you, yeah. you know, I did some things and, and I'm in a lot of trouble. Like, that's all I can tell you. Like, I'm, I'm going to continue to do this snowboarding thing, like, with or without you guys. Like, I understand that um, this does not look good. And it, on paper, it is horrible, horrible. Um, and so that was something I had to navigate. And that was a very humbling. I mean, I was so vulnerable. I mean, I just had my hands out. And then so throughout the next year, I, you know, I did everything I could, man. Like if, if they asked me for something like the, the, the prosecutors they I was like, man, what do you guys need from me? Like, I will tell you everything. Like there's, I have nothing to hide. I am open book here. And I, my whole family was that way. So we sat down and we went through this whole process for a year of, um, what they were going to do with us. And I'm still trying to like juggle my, my professional career where it's like, I can see it falling apart. My relationship at home is falling apart. Everything is falling apart around me. And I'm, and, and I just kept thinking to myself, I was like, man, I was like, it made me really prioritize and live in the present. Cause I didn't know if I had a future. Cause I really thought like I was going to do some prison. I was going to say, did you think, yeah, did, yeah, yeah, did you sure. talk to your lawyer and the he said, hey, like, you're looking dude, at. He was basically like, like you're like, they, I, I would be really surprised if you don't do time. And I just like, it was really hard for me to get, comprehend that. Cause I had never, I had a, I didn't have a record. Like I'd never done anything to be in jail. I'd never gotten thrown in jail. I had some minor infractions as a kid as drinking, but, um, to, so so to go from nothing to like the worst, I was, I was, it was like, my mind did not compute what was happening. Like I was kind of not in denial, but I was like, I was just really optimistic, man. I'm like, I'm not going to get felonies, dude. I'm just going to like keep doing this. Like life's good. But it made me really prioritize my family because during this whole process, they were really trying to turn us against each other. Like they're like, your brother said, and I was like, no, he didn't. 
Like, uh, you know, but I get it. I get why they do that in to like some bad guys. They turn them against each other. But I mean, maybe it's just me and it's my introspect, but like, I didn't feel like I was a bad guy. I didn't feel yeah. like we were bad guys. You know, I didn't like we, you know, it was what it was. Um, that was so, the most interesting point you said to me. You're like, I felt they were doing, they were using the tactics that yeah, you would want them to use yeah, on bad you, guys. You, you want them to use on that you, and you felt sure. like I'm a good guy. That, yeah, but maybe the bad guys feel that way too. They're yeah, like, probably. You know, I mean, probably. it's just, I mean, poor me. That's just a selfish outlook on it. But um, it was, cr- it was crazy, dude. Like I didn't sleep, but it really got me to this p- place of 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 uh, of calm and patience and just like letting things go and things are going to happen. And there's nothing I can do to control this. And I just let it go, man. I was like, here we go. Like, I'm along for the ride on this one, man. It's like getting on a plane in turbulent weather, flying to South America. It's like, dude, you have no control. Just like sit back and, and just like take it. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And I took, took it. And I think the hardest part was watching the, the, local, the local media, the Whirlwind News. Like these guys that, that I, I had all these accomplishments in my career that was like pretty um, – Except, exceptional for that area, like a snowboarder coming out and they would never do anything in the, in the paper for, about me. Like I, I'd reach out and be like, hey man, that'd be cool to do local thing. Never reached out. But the minute I am in trouble and this negative news, man, they were all up on that. And they just, just hammered it weekly about my dad. And my, that was hard seeing my dad. Like I have yeah. thick skin, but like you, he's like 63 years old and like growing up in this community and they're like, you're a felon, you're a poacher. You're like doing all this stuff. And like, yeah, we were charged with that. And I understand like, that's what it looks like, but that was really hard to watch. And then, you know, just navigating that, watching him, watching it hurt him, watching it hurt my mother and that's just the people around me. But like, there's one thing, man, like I learned who my friends were. Yeah. Like people distance themselves, man. Like I had contracts coming down the pipe. Like I was about to sign with a snowboard company and they were like, yeah, that budget's tapped. <laughs> I understand. I understand. But yeah. they, there were the companies that stuck by, like stood behind me. They knew my integrity. People are going to make mistakes, man. Like people are going to make mistakes. And as long as you are, are accountable for yourself and you admit and you move on, like everybody else should too. It's like you, forgiveness is a beautiful thing in the human nature. And I think we're losing that. But so we went through this year of just hell, man. Like I'm traveling the world and like trying to produce video parts. I have this dangerous job where my mind is not in it. My girlfriend's leaving me. Like I have these opportunities that I can't even like, I can't even go after because I'm like so mentally like scrambled. And, and, and then I'm in Japan. I'm like on this amazing trip in Japan with like my best friend and my, one of my best friends from Norway. We're, we're snowboarding and doing this project that winter. Everybody's backing me. I know this thing's coming down the pipe. And so we're like going back and forth with the, with the feds. And like, I would sit down with these guys. Like I was driving from, from tents or from Jackson to Casper to go meet with these guys. Cause trials were coming up for all the other, uh, the uh, other hunters and all this crazy shit was going on. It wasn't just my life, man. They, they turned like a lot of people's lives upside down. And, and I mean, maybe, I mean, we deserved it. Like we, I broke the law, man. Like it was what it was. And I'm in Japan and I still think that there's a chance that I'm not getting any felonies because felonies to me are like, man, I, I, I'm like thinking all these like things in my head. I'm like, I'm not going to ever, ever be able to have a gun again. Something that I love so dearly and something I grew up with. It's like tool for a rancher. And I'm in Japan doing this project and I, I just never forget. I was riding the elevator one morning and I get the email from my lawyer and he's like, here's the plea bargain, dude. 
and it was like three felonies, like all the, I got, I was getting three felonies, um, uh, $75,000 donation to the Wyoming Game and Fish. And, um, yeah, then I had to go to court. Then I had to go get sentenced. And I was like, wow, I guess this is, this is, this is what's happening, man. There's no, like, you don't, uh, once they plea bargain, they're like, here you go. What was the felonies? Uh, Conspiracy to traffic in illegal wildlife, trafficking in illegal wildlife, and falsifying government documents. Because I, I signed my name to a landowner tag yep. uh, one time. Yep. And so I, I didn't understand the falsifying. But I, I get it. Like, it, it's on the tag, and it says if you sign this illegally, that's you a felony. It, yeah. I mm-hmm. committed that felony, dude. I signed that shit. You know, I did Who reads the fine print? I tell you what, I read fine print now. Yeah. So then – you know, my brother sent he pleaded the same thing. My dad got like a plea with one felony, and like I don't remember exactly his his donation fines. So then, and I'm like, okay, well at least we got that over. Okay, we're gonna move on. Like now we go to court. Our next step, and that was the thing is like, I found out I got felonies, and my girlfriend left me like within like two weeks. And, and I don't blame her for leaving me, dude. I was a dick. I was so stressed out, and like I was trying to like juggle all these things. Sponsors were leaving, like. It was what it was. I was just, I was just like weighed in the storm. I came back from Japan. I had like some crazy sickness that I was just in an apartment with no TV. Like every she, I showed up, she was gone. Everything was turned off and I got sick and laid in my bed for three days with like almost died. Well, there was a quote that Joe was just showing me. They said, it was like, this ruined my life up to this point. Is that how you, you obviously felt that way? At that point I did. At that point, man, and that was when I we went to. How we, old were you then? I was, it's been years I, dude. I and when when they raided us, I just turned thirty. That was my thirtieth birthday. It was right before my thirtieth. They're like, "Hey, man, like, dude, it's something like they say thirty, like something changes in your life, like either way." I was like, 30 sucked," <laughs> <laughs> but it changed, man. Like yeah. it changed me, and I wouldn't take it back. You know, like I wouldn't. Like that experience and that those hardships, like they molded everything that I am right now. And so we go to court and that's the scariest thing. Like we go to Cheyenne, man, like here we are in court getting sentenced. I'm still facing 15 years, a maximum of 15 years and $750,000 in fines. I'm like, dude, like, I hope the judge is cool. <laughs> and so I go up there yeah, and you're I going st- into that and you don't, you have no, your no, lawyer saying, Hey, I'm still like, they got me by the balls. I, I got nothing, dude. I have no control. The lawyer's like, dude, like you, I hope we can get you out. And I've just given it all up. You know, I'm like, man, like my life, I've lived an amazing life. If this is what's happening, like this is what it is, dude. But I can't, like, I understand when people get backed into a corner, you know, I understand like that feeling of helplessness and you maybe want to just like act out a little bit towards like whatever's pushing. You want to push back, dude. You want to push back. Of course. But I didn't push back. You know, I went and I stood in front of the judge and. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I think one of the quotes was, you know, this is ruined all my life. And that was like a quote from the court and my whole family's there, dude, like my whole family and my friends that showed up, Louie and Justin and Dowell and Johnny, they showed up like dude, they didn't have to show up. They showed up in my behalf and my family's behalf. And, you know, she, she looked at this and was like, you know, she told me, she's like, I've never, I've never seen anyone facing what you're facing with the record you have and the life you've lived. But at that point, you have a plea bargain, you know, like it's done. It's done. But she's just like, this is what your sentence is. And she just like, dude, she didn't give me shit. You know, she was like, she understood a little bit, I think. And she had empathy for the situation. 
not that she was like, you didn't break the law. Like she's like, you broke, you broke the law, Mr. Carter. Like this is, this is the consequences. And I was like, I accept it. Anything you give me, this is it. And I got three years on unsupervised probation because she was empathetic towards my, my job and traveling and all this career. And so that was like a huge relief. I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to prison, dude. But I'm like, it wasn't. And then I realized like my, my anxiety wasn't about me going to prison. It was about my brother. Yeah. Like, what are they going to do to him? And dude, he, they got up there and uh, dude, they sentenced him to like a year and a half in prison. And like his wife's there and like crying. And I was like, there's this heavy moment. And I was like, all right, like, okay, a year and a half. Like, what's my solution here? Like, hopefully that doesn't happen. And walking out of that courtroom was very sobering. It was in this way of like, okay, I think you're going to jail. I'm not going to jail, which I'd rather be going to jail. You have the family, but we're done. Now we're moving forward. We're like, we know what's going to happen. You have some control. I have some control. I'm like, okay, man, like, let's like, we'll figure this out. Like, you know, I was even thinking, I'll quit the snowboarding. Like, I'll come back to the ranch. Like, whatever I got to do to like help my family and like make this work. Thank God he didn't have to do a year and a half. They went through some shit and he did end up having to do like two months in federal, which was crazy. But he was like, man, that was a great, that was a, that was, that was an experience, man. Like that was something that I needed, you know? And I I don't know the reasoning behind everything that went down. I always felt like, you know, I think when you're always in a situation like that, you feel like poor me, poor me. And I'm like, they're going at me so hard. And like, I just, ah, but I, I just, it was what it was. And I just like, t- take your licking. Here you go, man. First wreck. Like wreck, get up. Like, wh- are you going to let this define you as a person? Are you going to like hold resentment against the, the, the people? And it was my choice. It was our choice, man. I, like I accepted the choice that we had made to get us in this position. That was us, man. It wasn't them. They didn't have, we put them in that position to, to hammer us. Yeah. You know, they did go by the law. We did break the law. It was what it was. But I think you're always in that position. You're like, poor me. But I, I got over that. And I like, you know, RC did his prison time. But after that, I really, it prioritized my life in a way of like, am I snowboarding for money? Cause I lost everything, man. Like I didn't have shit. I had like one sponsor left and I was like, am I doing this for money or am I doing it? Because I love snowboarding. I love being in the mountains. This is my life. This is, this is what I do. And Gooch gave me some amazing advice. He's like, man, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. He's like, just focus on your own program. And man, I, I quit traveling the world. I focused on being home. I focused on being in Jackson and not leaving Jackson and just like making that my home and saving money. Cause I didn't have the budget to travel anymore, man. I had like, dude, I go to Alaska with 20 G's to like burn on helicopters, which is so like, it's crazy. It's right? living the I was dream like, I'm for rich. A kid Alexa Snowbird, Check me yeah. out. I'm rich. I'm rich. Check rich. me out. But I didn't appreciate it, man. Yeah. Until I lost all that stuff. And it was the best thing that ever happened in my career was losing all that. And then really appreciating everything I've curated up back to this point, like getting the sponsors, people that signed me, understood my past and I was always been transparent about like, yo, like I got a checkered past. Like this is the deal. Understanding being in a position of being of judgment. Like people, like they see your record, man. Like you see three felonies on somebody's record and you're like, what did this dude do? Like, oh, you can't have guns. You can't vote. Like I'm not even a citizen, you know, but I think the gun thing hurts me more than anything. You know, that like, that hurts my soul. Just not being able to like do something I love. You know, well, let, let me just say this: like you're the first person I've ever met 
and I'll have to think about this and make sure I'm I'm not being hyperbolic. I, I'm 100% sure at this moment you're the first person I've ever met that had their their Second Amendment rights stripped away. Yeah. And I earned it. <laughs> I earned it. You know, I did that. That was me. But it hurt. And more than it hurting me is like watching how it affects our ranch, you know, like like watching – like if you ever have been around a big ranch and a lot of livestock, like things need – put down and, and, and shot and to not have that tool as a rancher is like a, a doctor not having a scalpel. Yeah. And the things I see my brother have to do, um, it, it, man, it kills me. It hurts my heart. Cause like those pe- he cares about his animals more than anybody I know. And like to look something in the eye and cut its throat with a knife, dude, that's personal, man. Like that hurts. And for one instance, like he had this pig he loved, man. He loved this pig peaches. It was Peach's mom. We have Peach's two or three now. But Peach's mom, she was she was just like a family pet, lived under the that little shelter out there under the by the house, and she had a bunch of little piglets, cute little piglets, a bunch of straw in the winter. And uh all them little piglets were under there, it was cold. Well, he had a heat lamp in there. And somehow a bunch of some straw got pushed up against that lamp and started on fire. And that fire started and he's like, he didn't, you know, he had to go out there. He saved a couple of the piglets, but he had to like sit there and watch that pig burn and hear it burn. Something that he loved burn because he couldn't put a bullet in it, you know? And like, man, <laughs> that was tough. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a lot to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's just like, I, like I, I just, I, one here's one thing I will say is that, that this story you can't find a lot of people that are willing to talk like you're talking right now, man. Like <laughs> so, you got a lot of courage even in this moment, yeah, in front of a microphone with headphones on to talk about it. So like it's a, it's so folks that are listening to this, you take what you want from it. <laughs> Mark's lived it, so it doesn't matter. But like at some level, there's I don't think I could find another person that's willing to sit here say I got a felony and this is what the story was yeah. and this is how I feel and this is how. I got up off the mat. Yeah, well, it's a, I mean, it's, a rare it's, thing. it's it's been something that I've been ashamed of. You know, it's like it's like the elephant in the room, right? Yeah. Like people are always like, "Oh, what about Carter?" You know, like, but, but it is but, what it is, man. But, like, like that's look at where your life is, man. Like, I mean, uh, honest, look at where you are, and that's the thing about this experience is. I wouldn't take it back as, as, as hard, as messed up as it was. Like I would not take that back because I wouldn't be where I am. I don't even think I'd be a pro snowboarder, dude. This experience lit a fire in me. Like I've never, I never felt. I was like, Oh, prioritized my life and got my shit together and like went after it. Cause I was like, dude, it can be over. Like, boom, I have my freedom. Like I had all these problems before this and then there was one problem I was worried about and that was my freedom, man. Like when you have your freedom stripped, when you're like, I don't, I'm not free to roam anymore. Like, man, I was like, this is crazy. And I was like, get busy living. And dude, I chased it. And, but I did it on my terms. I was like, I'm not listening to anybody. I have thicker skin now from taking a beating from those newspapers constantly, constantly, constantly seeing that back and forth. And I just look at those. I mean, they painted you in like a bad light in a lot of them, man. Like, well, I mean, this is the media, but we talk it, about the media and the Wyoming's negativity. Wyoming's largest poaching case. Yeah. And, and like they even used a quote in this one. Um, you get down here from one of the uh, investigators and he's like, 
He says, I don't worry, but statistically, it's a pretty dangerous job. Everybody we deal with has a gun. And it's like, it just, they're, they're trying to paint you in a way that's... Well, they painted us, man. They painted us. Really? And yeah, uh, yeah I appreciate, you know, being on this on this this platform, be able to talk about it. Because I, I honestly, I've never talked about it. Yeah. You know? Well, listen, like I said, I think <laughs> when when there's there's a symptom, which a lot of times is very justified. Like the way you're approaching it to me is... Is understandable as anything. You know your family. You know the people that you are. And and when you're telling me this story, I I know that you know in your heart, like these are good people, and they did a thing they shouldn't have done. And to 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 be constantly forced to rationalize good people being punished in the way that they were is I know that's a tough thing. And I know you have you wanna you have to say we deserved it because you broke the law. I did, but it's not that simple. Um, there's layers there's layers to it and I think that's something that I've seen through other folks I've known that have had issues um, and, and the public sphere it, it, people want to they want to knock you down they want to take you down and, and and again I would say look if I do something wrong I'll I hope I approach it the way you did and say hey I knew this was wrong and I did it anyway and now I have to face the consequences and learn from it you know well, hopefully the consequences we, we, are level to I the mean, action we need to be held accountable you know, I think it's important, but I think we need to hold our peers accountable, like our friends accountable. And I think nothing ever changes when somebody you don't respect or care about is like attacking you. But when your friends are like speaking to you with honesty, like, yo, dude, that was kind of messed up. Like, yeah. you shouldn't do that shit. Like, calling you out, like, whether it be in your work environment or your personal environment, like, I really respect somebody that comes up to me and is like, yeah. dude, you like, that's out of line. That's out of line, man. Like, yeah. I'm just going to call you out on that. And then you're going to be like, think about that. Cause you respect that person. Like, yeah. I think there needs to be more of that and not afraid to like cross that line. Cause I think that's a line that needs to be crossed. Yeah. If somebody's out of line, man, like, yeah, they need to be this put is back a core tenet of, of my lifestyle, like yeah. respecting wildlife, respecting the land Dude. and anybody crosses that line and, and they're going to hear it. Right. And they know they need it, to, right? but yeah. as long as they like acknowledge and are accountable I mean, man, there's room for forgiveness too. That's the beautiful thing about humans. Well, you've earned it. Like you're sponsored by the North Face. You're sponsored by Yeti. You're sponsored yeah. by these companies that have everything to lose by bringing a felon they onto do. their team. And they and do. listen, I was there. I worked there. I understand yeah. those relationships. Those relationships, it's it's either uh, it's a zero sum game. It's very much either it's all good for the company, yeah, or it, it's not going to happen. It doesn't continue. I mean, man, it was like it was crazy. The hate. Like, you couldn't read the comments. Like, people just like, oh, they should all be killed. Like, I mean, crazy. Like, don't read the comments because it's just this this no consequence for your actions. Like, if you say that online, this cowardly platform where there's no consequences. And I think that's a problem today is people can just say things. Like, where I grew up, man, like, if you said something to somebody, like, there was consequences. There was no running from it. Like, you had to stand toe to toe and you're like, did you say that? And that just doesn't happen anymore. Like, yeah. man, I had, I, you know, a couple projects come out and I had people calling my sponsors, government agencies calling my sponsors, telling them after I had paid my dues, done everything that they wanted me to do, I got these guys calling my sponsors and telling them how bad of a guy I am and getting cut from sponsors because these guys that I just bowed down to and did any everything they wanted me to do still had the power and control over my career. And that that pissed me off. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
Are, we're not done here. Like we're still, we're still going to do this. Like I have no leverage and there was nothing I could do, but I just took it, man. I, I just watched these sponsors fall off the, there's like, yeah. there, oh, there goes some more revenue. Awesome. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. What more do you want from me? You know, yeah. did you feel at any moment that, that maybe this wasn't redeemable? Like maybe you couldn't get it back. Was there ever like a low moment where you're like, dude, I may never. <laughs> I got, I guess the... if I didn't, it got to where I didn't care if I got all that back. I just wanted to continue to live the life that I believed in. And that was where I found freedom. And then it all came kind of back around. You know, I just, I gave up the paychecks. I gave up like caring, chasing whatever the industry told me I needed to do. Cause I was a controversial subject within the snowboard industry to everybody. It's kind of like well, yeah, well, Carter sure. over Carter over here. You know, he's some poaching redneck from, from Wyoming. And of course they would like generalize me into that, into that box. They didn't know that, you know, my past, you know, and I think that's a dangerous thing. So when all these things are going down in our, our society and all these things, like I can really like, I can kind of relate to some things, you know, I, I know what it's like to be stripped of your freedoms. I know what it's like to be just no control, just zero control, but it's like how you respond to this. Like, are you, are, am I going to make this my identity? Am I going to, am I going to be a victim here or am I just going to be like, I'm going to use that shit as fuel, man. I'm going to like stand up. I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to sh- I, like my, I, my mentality was like, I want to anybody that hated and like called me and tried to like hold me down. I'm going to show them in like five years that like they were all wrong. Here I am. Like everybody's like Carter's Carter's temporary, man. Like snowboard industry. I was already like an underdog with like my background. Nobody was a rancher in snowboarding. Like it wasn't cool, dude. Like it yeah. was not cool. They're like, this dude, what's this kook over here? And I was like, listen, I grew up in the mountains. I grew up in the nature. Like I, this is, this is my, this is my shit. And I'm going to show you guys, this is my shit. And I, I live it every day. I live it in the dirt. I live in the mountains. I live in the winter. And, um, I, yeah, man, I just trying to like, yeah. keep that, keep that going. <laughs> Look, like in a lot of ways, our society functions on stories, right? And and yeah. as somebody who writes stories and thinks about stories and how to tell stories, you don't tell a story that doesn't have doesn't have a triumph in it. It doesn't have an ch- ultimate challenge. Yeah. It doesn't have a protagonist and an antagonist. You don't tell a good story. You don't tell a flat, happy story to people to compel yeah. them. You don't turn on Netflix and watch somebody's happy life. <laughs> you watch people go through shit and be imperfect and, and come out of it. And that's what makes life compelling, right? I mean, man, like that, that, uh, that suffering and just that hurt and like, that's so, it sucks at the time, but man, that's the best thing for you. That mm-hmm. builds character. Yeah. That's a, I got a lot of character. I was going to say, yeah, you're not, you're, you're not going to, yeah, you're not going to. It's gonna, from a beating. Dude. Yeah. It's a beating, but like, uh, like, but my dad, like, you know, I think it, it comes back to the ranch, man. Like it wasn't my first beating. Maybe it was like that and it was like traumatic, but it was not my first beating. I was like, okay, that's what we do. But I mean, it prioritized my family and made me appreciate everything I have. I was like, listen, I could lose all this shit tomorrow as long as I do lose my freedom and as long as I have my family, it's going to be all good. Yeah. You know? So yeah. everything past that's been a bonus. So it's yeah. like, it's like good, dude. <laughs> well, it's like after taking all that time trying to battle just to, un- to understand like, all right, am I going to have freedom? And then, like, maybe achieving the ultimate freedom afterwards, knowing that, like, here's the real priority. Like, I had to, I had to face certain prison. <laughs> That's a weird thought, dude. I was just saying, like, I know I've been hanging out with you, dude. You're a normal dude. You're a good dude. Like, 
And you were facing prison time from the federal government, man. You know, and they were pissed, I, man. They're pissed. And look again. I know how it is in our community, in the hunting community. People, people are rightly stripped of things when they do things wrong. They're I rightly agree. so. If I, I agree, you know, man. if I did, if I did what you did, I'd be stripped of a lot of things, right? Yeah. And rightly, rightfully so. Rightfully and as we're, so. as you were, um, but there's 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 always a but to it. People oh. don't deserve to get erased from the plan. No. no, we can move on. Like if people are like I say, accountable and and understand, like they they admit their guilt. They stand up and they they stand there and like, that's what I did, man. Like, well, why not forgive? Like, yeah. oh, and here you are right now, sitting here in this moment. How many years? How many years have gone by? Not that many. Man, it's like I think I got sentenced in two thousand and twelve. Eight years. Eight years, man. It sucks not, not having guns though. I know. It's bullshit. And that's you <laughs> have to get a presidential pardon, correct? To. I think so. I mean, I just you don't man, have any hope I just want that some, that might. I don't know, man. Like I, I can't even vote, dude. I ain't gonna talk to the president. <laughs> <laughs> you just feel like that's it, man. That's the, I, that's the way I, it's gonna I, well, be. Well, I, I, I've accepted it, you know. And it, if like something changed, that would be amazing. I would love to see my 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 old man and his, my brother get our guns back. But dude, like honestly, archery, like being able to hunt, like that was the first time when Dudley took me out last spring with that new bow he built me and took me to Oklahoma and and I hunted hogs with him and I and I shot a boar like I didn't realize how much I missed that and how much that meant to me and and he never judged me he didn't look at me like I was this like this like tarnished oh, human being he just was like oh yeah man like you're cool like let's just you know it, it was like to go and get back into hunting and be out there it was like such kind of like a rejuvenating thing for me was that something you were kind of worried about? Well, Dude, I was so worried about that. Like even after your, your rights came back and you could go hunting again? Or yeah. Was it something you just avoided? Cause, uh, Judgment, man. Yeah. Like who wants to be judged? Who wants to be judged? Especially in the hunting community. I mean, this is like a controversial topic. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like, oh, that guy sucks. There's a lot of people who get mad at me. And I get that. And I, like, I've had, like I said, I've had experiences. And we were talking about this. We were hunting, man. It's just like people... I hate to generalize like this, but like there is a there is a portion of people that want to knock folks down and keep them down. And and listen, yeah. I get the anger. I get that I'm doing it the right way, and this guy didn't. Yeah, how we should never celebrate him no, again. I, I get that feeling. But I met you, and I know you, and I'm talking to you, and yeah. I'm seeing you sit across from me, like bearing everything for yeah for what you don't. Want, there's nothing for you to gain <laughs> from sitting here talking to me. Oh. <laughs> no. There's nothing. No, no. And so but yet you're doing it, right? Yeah. And so that shows character. Yeah, I mean, I got lots of it. <laughs> I can I can look at it, like no matter what you've done or what I've done or uh, definitely what Joe's done for Garholing us this week. <laughs> like we're not going to judge him for that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Go kicking rocks. Kicking rocks. But I but I think like <laughs> when you can look at somebody and and they can say to you, "Listen, man, this is my story. This is my life. This is what I did. I <laughs> fucked up. It's, <laughs> it's it's awful." Yeah. But then you can laugh with them and, yeah. and learn about their life and their successes and the other things in their life that balance out the shit. What's more what's more like human? What's more man, it's it's r- relatable in some sense. I agree. I agree. I mean, everybody's faced their hardships whatever degree that may be. But it's like, gosh, stand up, man. Like, don't let them keep you down. They want to keep you down. It's yeah. the easiest thing to do. Like, but people, I understand, man. Like, people are pissed. Yeah. People are pissed at, like, what's going on. People want to, like, they want to, they don't know what to do. They're just, like, lost, man. It's like, 
you know, what you could do is just like be kind. Put yourself in other people's shoes. Think about what they're thinking, why they think that way. Respect one another, you know, like help your neighbor. Like if somebody doesn't, you know, if there's like complete opposite, so diverse in this world, like help them. If you don't think they'd like you, that's more of the reason to go up and be like, hey, man, how you doing? Smile. How you doing today, man? Like, yeah. It doesn't cost a penny to be nice, dude. Yeah. I don't know. Well, for you to go through all that, you know, and again, it's like going through it as a term. <laughs> you went through it. It happened to you. You did something yeah. wrong. You got pinched. I took it. You took it. Here you go. And then come out on the other <laughs> end and be dues. like, yeah. Page your dues and come out on the other end like, hey, positivity's the way and not like, fuck the government, you know? Like, hey, man. I don't hear you saying that. What are you going to do, man? It's positivity, you know? And like, I, that generalizing thing, like, is dangerous. Like, there's bad, there's bad eggs in every carton. But to say one carton is bad just because of what they are, like, that's, that's not right. And I think there's great people in the government. Yeah. You know, there's people that care in the government. Are there people that don't care? And are there some duds? Yeah. Lots of them. (laughs) 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 But like, man, we're all human, dude. Like whatever business you are, it's just like seeing each other as humans, you know, just like acknowledging that we're all on the same team, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, listen, no matter what, it's it, no matter what else it is, no matter what else your like life and story is. What you just told is powerful. Like, yeah, well. no matter what it is, other than that, <laughs> it's powerful. People, if you really listen to it and take it in, yeah. Mark's sitting here just bearing all this and laying all this out there, man. I wish Peaches had a better end. Yeah, yeah, she had. That was a bad deal. A bad deal. Like, but I mean, that's one thing, too. Back about to the ranch, it's like, man, like, nothing new about death. Like, death is, that's the only guarantee. Like, we're all going to die. Like animals die, like being on the ranch, like understanding that. And that's really like what made me, I don't want to die, man, but I ain't afraid of it. I do not fear that. You know, I will like do things. I don't ever make any decisions based upon, is it dangerous? I was like, yeah, it's dangerous. It kind of makes it fun, but I don't have a death wish and I don't want to die. But I mean, I'm not going to like go around scared of dying because dude, Hopefully happens quick. <laughs> it's like <laughs> lights out, but I mean, it is what it is, you know? Yeah, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, these this is one of those times where, you know, it's not a lot I can say other than thanks for sharing that stuff. Hey, man. Pleasure. Thanks for choosing this. <laughs> thanks for choosing this place. And Hey, thanks for me. taking me bear hunting. <laughs> dude, anytime, dude. I've, no, you good. come back. You still have a bear tag for this fall. I do. I'm, we know I'm, that. I'd love to come back, man. Get some meat. You're welcome anytime, man, because yeah. it is uh, – doesn't have to be bears either. It can be anything. Do something. Something will happen. Something will happen. Yeah. But, yeah, we had a fucking blast. That was a blast. That was good. That was fun. Huh. Like, when you can – we just hiked and sat around. We met a – a little a cu- a older couple oh, that they were, were so nice so nice to us they were asking us all kinds of crazy questions hey there was a an older guy who was a hunter like quote-unquote hunter had hunted before with guides and things and then his wife who was completely and utterly clueless to yeah. what was going on and she's like how do you get a bear out if you how do you you sh- shoot it with a bow yeah. more than once I, I love when people are interested in something they yeah. know nothing about and questions. i think that's how that's how we should be, man. We just like, you, you know, answer them with a smile. Don't look at them like this pretentious look, like you're dumb. Be like, hey, oh yeah, you, you're interested. Here you go. That's the first step. Yeah, man. Like understanding. She wants to understand, man. Uh, and appreciate it. It's great. Right? And it's I'll tell great. you what, man. 
flat out, totally honest, Boom. look you in the eye, your appreciation for life is it is, is <laughs> an infectious. Yeah. Joe would agree. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Listen, I'm dude, telling you, dude. 100%. When, you look in, when you've seen death a lot, like, you appreciate that life thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 And especially, like, the existential, like, your social yeah. life and the way yeah. you're seen in your industry and how hard you work to, to, to gain a standing and having that, yeah. you know, just wrecked for, for, you know, for reasons that you caused. Yeah. But yeah. it's, it's yeah. a... Appreciate Life is good. Life is good. Anyway, like, I'm glad you told that story. I'm glad you came here. We had a good time, man. I I, I I appreciate appreciate it. it. I know you're a busy dude. You got a lot going on. Yeah. Um, All I want from you is to get some meat now. Get some of that Carter Country beef. We'll make it happen, man. That's all I need. Carter Country meats. All right. Thanks, brother. Hell yes. That's it. That's all. Another episode in the books. Thanks for hanging with us. A little longer than normal, but um, like an incredibly powerful story all the way around from our Carter. Um, it was emotional, man. After I wanted to give that dude a hug after we recorded because it took some courage for him to sit down and, and go into that detail of that story. Um, it's not, man. All I'll, let me just say it this way. I'm glad that he came here. I'm glad that he opened up. I'm glad that he told his side of the story, and I'm glad that we're all able to take that in and learn from it. I think of all the things we've done, 131 episodes, I think his story is the most unique and the most impactful that I have heard. And really, when I started this podcast, I just wanted to share people's stories and perspectives so we could all get the idea of what this collective hunting community is all about. And I think what Mark is able to do is so unique because you're not going to find Phil and Joe. You're not going to find someone just to tell you their story about how they could, they're a convicted felon and a convicted poacher. Most people that have that happen to them, they either get punished or they get off, and then they never talk about it again. Because it ain't great PR, especially for somebody like Mark, who's who's out in the, in the public sphere. So it's a, it's a rare occurrence to get somebody like that that's brave enough to sit down and just rip out a story like that. I just I want to repeat this because I think it's important. It's something that it's like looking into a mirror. Like what people around you, I've had friends, I've had friends, very close friends. In fact, it was one of my very best friend's birthday yesterday. He's dead. He's been dead for, I think, six or seven years now. Uh, he died of an overdose uh, heroin. and But he was like my brother growing up. And he's not around anymore. And he did some terribly irredeemable shit on his way out the door. Stealing, fighting, all kinds of things during his addiction. And uh, boy, some some stuff that society probably wouldn't give him a break for. And so now I'm left, like he's not here anymore, and I'm left to kind of decide whether I'm going to forgive him or what it means that he's gone and, and those are the things he did in his last days, months, years on the earth. And so there's just, just take a look in the mirror, think about it, and then when you're moving around the world, whether you're on the internet or you're not, think about it. Think about what people deserve. Think about your own imperfections. Think about the imperfections of the people around you. And hopefully that'll allow you to have compassion for just about anyone in the right situation. Um, Again, there are certain people that just do things that are flat out evil and they don't deserve it. But there are plenty more people that do. So that's it. See you next week, 132. Say bye, Phil. Goodbye. Too long, cause I can't go a week without doing wrong. Oh, without doing wrong.
After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire-charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold.